What up, Doe One Pride? This is the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, the podcast where one pride goes worldwide. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick. I'm joined this evening by Matthew Turner and Ryan McCluskey for the sort of college football podcast. Let me explain that a little bit more there for you. So it is Wednesday. Me and Ryan usually do the college football podcast on this day, but with uh, our host been away on Monday, I was really busy preparing two shows and I've had work since, so preparing a whole whole college show was proving to be a bit of a pain in the neck. So we thought, you know what? Free agency's going on at the minute with the Detroit Lions. Pro days are going on with the Detroit Lions. Let's mix and mash a hybrid show and we will do a little bit of both. So this is going to be a little bit of college football, a little bit of Detroit Lions. But you are welcome with all your questions, whether they're college-related, draft-related, Lions-related. Put them in there and we will deal with them. But first, got to introduce the panel this evening. We've been joined once again on the Wednesday, as I say, by our esteemed host, Matthew Turner, who has just had a little breakaway in the golden city of Prague. Matthew, how, how was your trip? Well... I walked 45 miles in four days, so I'm suffering, and not for the traditional reason when you go to Prague of having hangovers, but my legs are just struggling, my energy levels are gone, but what a place, just instantly one of my favourite cities in the world, it's just a fun place to be, you're there and you just smile, it's great, I love it. Yeah, I I also have had the... Pleasure of going to Prague, wonderful city, one of the best places I've ever been, and when you can sit on the Riviera with a beautiful sunset going down and you're drinking double rum and cokes for £1.10, I mean, that is just about as good as it can get. And of course, welcoming the main part of our college football podcast on Wednesdays, Ryan McCluskey. Ryan, how are you doing? Enjoying free agency? Enjoying what's going on at the moment? Yeah, we've been surprisingly active and I didn't think we would be. So, so far, fairly happy. Yeah. I'm happier than some people are. I've had to mute a lot of words on Twitter because people are doing my noting. Yeah, Ryan's Ryan's mute mute list of words is growing by the day. He keeps putting them in the the updated list and there are some in there in a minute. But we will get to it all. So I always say we are going to... This is going to be a little bit of a hybrid show, so we're going to go through some college football news first, then we're going to break down the Detroit Lions free agency so far, and then we're going to look at the Detroit Lions when it comes to pro days, who they've been seeing, what players they've been talking to, and then if we have time at the end, we'll just do a general Q&A thing, as we always do. Just want to shout out everyone who has joined us so far. I'll start off in Twitch. David Reinfurt69 is in there. He says, hey. Hope you're doing well. Mike the Marine says howdy. Derek Bobarrick goes, finally, I've been dying to hear you guys after all this hot lines free agency action. Too right, a lot going on there. Big ups to Derek Bobarrick who has resubscribed with Prime. That is 12 months in a row. Derek, you are a hero and we absolutely adore you for that. So thank you very much. 
Dan, the Lions fan, goes, the new NFL year has just officially started. Yes, it has. Teams can make their deals official, even though they've pretty much already been done, unless you're Aaron Rodgers, and he will probably not do that until the start of next year's free agency, the way that prima donna is dragging things out there. Uh, Mike asks us a question about free agency number six. We will get to that later on, Mike. Um when we'll do the questions there we've had a first time chat from Jan's master at work but I'll watch this when I'm home thank you very much for the chat anyhow Mike goes Ryan Anthony Matthew in the UK yes we are here and he also goes hope Hank is doing better is Hank Hank on the men now after his little poor accident Ryan yeah his paws all fixed he's back to being in an iron little shit and <laughs> if you've not seen on Ryan's Twitter I mean he enjoyed the snow that came recently as well, didn't he? You say he won't go outside when it rains, but when it snows, he has the time of his life out in it. Oh, yeah, I'll just swim through it, run through it, play in it. But, yeah, uh, rain, no. I take him to the driveway if it's raining. He'll pull me back to the front door. He hates getting wet. At first, when I first got him, he tried to jump out of the bath. I couldn't bath him. Now he just stands still and looks like a sorry abused animal and just lets me wash him. <laughs> oh, we all love him though. H- H- Hank, Hank is the man on this body. Bless him. Um, <laughs> and what else do we have? So yeah, Mike, Hank is doing better. Um, and David goes, "Wow, some positivity from Ryan." Yeah, not many, not much chance of a Ryan's rant today. Maybe, but overall, quite positive. And then on YouTube, a load of people in the building. Our man Grandizer's in there. Hope you are doing well, Grandizer. Ken Stowder is off. It goes. Karen Rogers is off like a prom dress. We yes, hopefully soon he will be gone. Depp Fanman is in the building. Mile Marker is in the building. Perry Ball is in the building. He goes, hi Anthony, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Doing well indeed. Kool-Aid Kid is in the building. Alan Dane is in the building. Jordy Manshut is in the building. Michael Luches is in the building as well. Dragon Fan Tim is in the building. So thank you all for joining us this evening. Right, just got to get the housekeeping out of the way very quickly before we start this so the Royal Lions UK Discord if you want in on that let us know we will fire you across a link Matt is in the socials tonight been very active so just ask him very nicely and uh, he'll fire you a link over uh, main podcast Detroit Lions on Monday we had two streams I myself did free agency frenzy covering the start of free agency and then we did a review of the draft cornerbacks in the 2023 NFL draft upcoming please do go check those out if you haven't already and this coming week we will be talking wide receivers because don't they always get a debate going don't forget to like and sub to everything we are six tiny clicks of the subscribe button away on youtube from reaching our goal of 900 to start our giveaways for those of you who follow us so if you know anyone who likes us listens to us but isn't subscribed yet just give them a little nudge six more clicks and we will make it there. And don't forget about Lions Nation Unite, the app run by Lions legend Herman Moore, um, made by content creators, Detroit Lions fans for Detroit Lions fans. You will find a lot of great podcasts on there. Right, let us get on with the show this evening. So we are going to do a little bit of college news first, because this is like the college football-y part of the show, and then we will get on to the Detroit Lions bits and pieces. So first up, and... I was asked if I would mention this, so the Aer Lingus Classic, 
the game, the college football game that opens up the season over in Ireland, it's becoming a newer and bigger tradition every year. We are getting the Navy Notre Dame game this season or to open the 2023 college football season. I'm eagerly awaiting to see whether I've got tickets from the lottery in that. I believe Ryan is as well. But the 2024 fixture has just been announced and Ryan, the ACC is making its way over the Atlantic with some of its finest mid-table sides as the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets will be taking on the Florida State Seminoles in 2024. Obviously delighting our regular panellist Ash, who is a Florida State fan all the way. What do you make of the ACC coming to Ireland next year, Ryan? Why do you say Georgia Tech? Mm. They're just they're just so bad. Florida State understands because they're a big team with a big Florida. Georgia Tech ain't bringing no fans to Dublin. I guarantee you that now. It's no, there won't be no ballot next year. I'll be able to buy a hundred tickets in my own name. <laughs> that won't sell very well. I guarantee you, apart from FSU fans. Yeah, yeah, it's not. They've not exactly brought a marquee matchup that really does the ACC justice. No. I can understand Florida State, but yeah, ugh. yeah, it's it, it going to be maybe a harder sell than the uh, the Notre Dame Navy rivalry game this year. That will sell out incredibly quickly. Um, Matt, is that a game that you would fly across to Ireland to watch starting twenty twenty four off? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the thing about the college game over here is it's such a novelty that you really don't need to worry about whether you've got any big names over here. I mean, uh, there's so little college football available over here, relatively speaking. Like, you can watch one or two games at a time on TV. That's all that's on out of all of the games that are actually happening. So the fact that anyone's coming over is big. And, you know, what they've managed to do is get a relatively unpopular team to give up a home game to come over. And they've brought with them one of the biggest names in that conference. It makes perfect sense that this is a matchup. It sucks that it's Georgia Tech, but it's like trying to get Green Bay over here. It just doesn't happen because they don't want to give up a home game. You know what I mean? So, like, you, you're going to convince Clemson to give up a home game? I just don't think it's going to happen, but Georgia Tech think they can build their brand over here by, by giving up a home game. So, perfect sense. I think it's going to put anyone off going. Yeah, it, It's been such a long time since college football was been well such a long time how many college football games have there ever been this side of the atlantic ever yeah it's lots of they will sell out easily yeah yeah i agree and and they have a year to get better obviously florida state probably going to lose a lot of their talent to the draft next year but you can usually genuinely rely on them to put a decent team out so yeah florida state versus georgia tech is going to be the island game in 2024 all right moving on ryan we were chatting a probably about a month or so ago now proposed rule changes uh, from the committee regarding the college football game in regards to timings, downs, how the clock works etc. Well we told you the rules were going to be discussed and some of the rules have been passed so the committee announced only a few days, I think it was last Friday that they had approved changes to the clock so these changes are going to include no untimed downs at the end of the first and third quarter there is going to be a ban on using consecutive timeouts and the biggest change of the lot of them the clock will no longer stop at all 
after first downs, except in the final two minutes of each half. So in college football, the minute you get first down, the clock stops for a predetermined amount of time. That is gone. That is going away. You can't use consecutive timeouts, and there's no untimed downs at the end of the first and third quarter. Um, what do you make, Rye, of the uh, decision to pass those three? Uh, they're just going to lead to gamesmanship. This is not going to end well. Like, you're going to get teams and players, like say, going out their way now to stop you getting to the ball, stop officials spotting the ball to waste time. They're going to be faking injuries, all sorts of bullshit. Now the clock will be stopping. And, and back-to-back timeouts—it makes no difference. Most icing the kicker never even works anyway. It hardly ever actually makes a kick and miss. So I don't see why you can stop someone using back-to-back timeouts if you've got them. Right. Just leave the rules as they are. So no untimed. So no untimed downs at the end of the first and third quarter. So what happens if there's a penalty? I, I guess it. I guess for penalties, it sort of. No, no. I think the, the point is, is that if you give away a defensive foul at the end of the first or third quarter, the next play is it's in the next one. quarter. Ah, afterwards. yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, that, I, that's I suppose, it. I suppose that one don't really make much difference, does it? No, because you used to be able to get any time, is it? It's just yeah. You used to be able to get an extra play if it went down to zero, so that's gone. So yeah, I mean, I guess some of it's sensible, but yeah, I, I don't know about the others, Matt. I mean, you know, you don't watch college as much, but these rules are something that may come into effect the NFL. You know, what, what do you reckon about them? I hate it. It's stupid. The um, first and third quarter untimed downs, fine. That that's the common sense change. The untimed downs thing is to get in a play that wouldn't otherwise happen. End of the first and third quarter, the play would happen. A save! Sorry for Malison. What a save! Anyway, um, sorry, I'm watching the Liverpool game at the same time. Um, it's to get in a, a, a down that wouldn't happen otherwise. The second and fourth quarter happens after the first and third. So you're not gaining anything. That makes sense. But the other rules coming in... Generally speaking, the college game is ahead of the NFL when it comes to rules in terms of making the game more fun, more accessible for people. Aligning the game with the NFL makes no sense whatsoever. When you're talking about a group of guys who are learning how to play football at this level, giving them the clock stoppage when they get first downs allows them time to set themselves, get the play in, two-minute drills are kind of elongated a little bit and now that's going to stay but I absolutely hate that too why does a game change in the last two minutes keep it the same like I'm, I'm sorry we got to 202 so the clock's going to keep running but at 159 it's going to stop why just it works as it is don't fix it when it's not broken no I, I agree and we, we were chatting about this and it just felt a lot of like changes for the sake of making changes and I, I don't really get it so but hey ho the rules have been passed and they will be in place next year so when you don't see the clock stopping on first downs that is the reason why the committee has overturned that decision um, a little bit of news we'll talk about it in the future but apparently the Georgia Bulldogs are about to get done up for a load of football recruitment violations so keep an eye on that it's not been a good week for them with everything going on with Jalen Carter etc as well uh, but that's one to keep an eye on going forward then a couple of bits of news before we go on to Lions free agency stuff this is to do with conference alignments etc so Ryan the first one is pertinent to you because 
Um, anyone who's watched the pod knows Ryan is an Arizona State fan. This is Pac-12. The Pac-12 and the Big 12 at the minute are in big fights trying to tap up teams, trying to get teams for conference realignment, trying to... Did Liverpool just concede, Matt? No, there's breaking news. Deshaun Elliott has signed with the Dolphins. Oh, all right. Well, we'll get to free agency very quickly then. So We will. We will. Very, very quickly, Ryan. It has been confirmed that the Big 12 has been in contact with Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah about joining the Big 12. But the Pac-12 is still trying to increase its numbers itself with all this going on did you get a sense of you know what might happen yet do you think it is going to be arizona state in the big 12 is the pac-12 going to break apart what what do you think is going to happen pac-12 is going to split up because it's the worst power five conference in football and the only teams worth taking are not even the teams you've named like who wants for colorado deon sander think they stick around like, he ain't going to be there in two or three. He ain't going to be there in three years, so that just makes no sense. Like, say, USC, Washington, Oregon, Utah, they're the big names and they'll attract big markets. But when you look at who the Pac-12 is thinking about bringing in to replace teams like SMU, Fresno State, San Diego State, like the proper bottom feeders, that tells you that the Pac-12 is in trouble because that's the best they can get there. Yes, if the Big 12 takes four of the teams, Pat 12 is pretty much done for. Like I say, uh, it's it's a weak conference. Yeah, I, I think we're in a situation now with... The Big 12 for Pat is not much better because no. it's, it's, just lost two, it's just lost some big programs in itself. They're, they're hurting. So they're trying, to, they're trying to put a bandage over a machete slice and bring it in Arizona and Arizona State is really not going to do anything for the figures in the back of 12. No. Arizona State right now, we're shit. Yeah. Arizona have only just kind of stopped the rot as well. So, yeah. Utah are a big name, but I think they'll get them eventually. But I, 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 the future's not bright for the Pac-12, I don't think. No, and it's a shame because it has the potential to be one of the best conferences this season with the, the quarterbacks in there, some of the really good sides in there. I think it's going to be really fun, and like you say, it's... It's going to slowly erode. Once you see it, USC and UCLA are gone, I think the Big 12 will get its way. to watch Arizona State games when they're in the Big 12, yeah. I might be a little bit happier. Yeah. All the road games are a bit normal types. Yeah, there we go. So, silver linings and all with the Pac-12. My man Luke G is in the building. Some say that we look like brothers, but, man, that guy looks a lot better than I do. I can only hope. To look like Luke does. So hope you are doing well there, Luke. Um, the other bit of news, and Ryan dropped this in the other day, the SEC. So beginning in 2025, when Texas and Oklahoma join, the SEC will move to a regular season schedule that will include two series each year against permanent opponents and eight series against rotating opponents for 30 games. The SEC is also going to go to a single division. So Alabama, Georgia, LSU, all these teams, there's going to be no avoiding those two now. If you want to get to the SEC title game, you've got to go through Georgia or Alabama at this moment in time. I mean, what do you make of this, Ry? SEC going to one conference, you know, rotating opponents. It's to be seen who is going to be like each other's rivalry games and that just yet. But this... 
this is bad news if you're, if you're one of the SEC West teams and you've now got to go for it in, in lieu of trying to avoid those two every year. Yeah, it's bad news for the SEC West, but I'm an advocate, no conference should have divisions. No. It should be one group and the top two teams on winning percentage make the championship game. Just, just, just bundle everyone in together. Like I said, the SEC West and the Big Ten West are the two most divi- two divisions that are in the most trouble in the Power Five when they merge. Like I said, because uh, Iowa, Purdue, Wisconsin are suddenly going to get thrown in. And as you mentioned, Ole Miss, LSU, Auburn, Vanderbilt getting thrown in with the other lot in the SEC when they merge. It's, I just think it's the best way to be. And like I say, now you can't have powder cake schedules. Georgia's start of the season this year were really easy. That That's changing. They're mm-hmm. going to make you have set conferences, set matchups and uh, contracts with now in-conference sides on a rotating basis. They're taking away the power to really water down a schedule or pick as many cupcakes as you can, which is fair. If you're in a 12-game season, I think you should be playing at least seven, maybe eight division rivals. You should be not. It should be five, six. It should be like then a sprinkle of an FPS side, FCS side. It's rubbish. Yeah. Like there. So I, I want the best matchups, and I want the two best teams. I don't care if it's the same two teams every year for the next ten years. That just tells me that they should have been in the title games, and it should be one division all along. Yeah. I know it's going to create a lot of stale matchups. You're going to get Ohio State and Michigan probably maybe every seven out of ten years when they merge the Big Ten East and West. But that's how if that's how it has to be, that's how it has to be. If Iowa and Purdue can't make a title game, that just means they never really belonged in it in the first place. Yeah, agreed. Um, Matt, SEC conference realignment going to be one big smorgasbord. Can have Bama, LSU, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas, Oklahoma. You're not even getting into sort of the, some of the good sides in the middle: Arkansas, South Carolina. This going to drive up the competition levels, force teams to step up to these giants because it's the only way they'll see a title game if they don't. It's really interesting to see how this is going to affect the landscape because are you going to see? the teams that infrequently could challenge for the West now struggling to recruit. And those players now suddenly saying, maybe I'll go Florida State because I got a chance against Clemson in that division. Whereas I don't know whether we're ever going to beat the top six teams in the SEC. Like, I think it's really going to hurt the lower down teams in the SEC. On the other hand, it means that some of those lower colleges are going to have more attractive teams to watch every single year. They might get more TV money and that sort of thing. So are they going to care? I think that actually everyone's going to end up liking this move, but it might have a bit of teething in the first few years or so. It's the only way to do it, though. If you want to make the best product on the field. You've got to have the best teams making it. And when number two in the East doesn't make it over number one in the West, and number one in the West is dog shit, what's the point in a title game? Just give it to the winner of the East and be done with it, because there's no point in playing that game. You saw it so often. Same in the Big Ten. Why is Michigan playing Iowa? What's the point? Let's yeah. just get on with this. There's a waste of a game. All it's doing is increasing the likelihood of a really good prospect getting injured for no reason. It's going to turn into a glorified bowl game. So let's 
make it as competitive as we can for as long as we can. It's an interesting point there, actually, about the recruitment. You say, like you say, they might not want to go there if you can't reach the playoffs, etc. But I guess if you are an aspiring D lineman and you are your stock is going up and you want to go right, I want I will have tape on film against Bama, against Georgia, against LSU, against all these top tier teams, which I can put top tier tape out on, and my draft stock's going to go through the roof. I'd, I guess a lot of players will see it as a challenge, but you know you need to get good tape on. For, for coming to the draft, so interesting. But I like it. I think yes. I think it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be an arms race to the top, and I think a lot of teams are gonna take part, and I think it's gonna be really fun. So yeah, the SEC going to one conference as most are expected to do eventually. Right. That is it for bits of the college world news that we've gone through that we've kind of ignored these last few weeks because of the draft. So. Let us pivot and go from a college show to a Detroit Lions show and let us talk about free agency now. So, myself and Ryan, a few of the other guys were on the other day after day one, but moves have been made since. So, let's have a little look at those moves that have been made on Tuesday and Wednesday and then afterwards... Matt wasn't here for the show the other day, so we can go through some of the earlier moves. You can let us know what you think about that. And I will not mention the LS word at all. I've given you enough tap about that, so I will refrain from doing the LS stuff. So You, you can do it if you want. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I've, you know, I've, I've, ran that, I've run that joke out now at this point. So, anywho, I believe since the other day, the Lions have been busy bees indeed. So in terms of the signings, we knew Cameron Sutton had signed on a three-year, $33 million deal. Um, another cornerback, Matt McLean, the guy from Brad Holmes's alma mater, he signed one-year, $870,000 deal prior to free agency. But the two additions made since then, so... We've gone cornerback again. Emmanuel Mosley from the San Francisco 49ers agreed to a one-year, $6 million deal with the Lions. Um, I'll go over to you first, Matt. So, we've talked about a little bit about Sutton here if you want, but the Lions have double-dipped at cornerback in the first two days of free agency to bona fide starters as well. I know this is only a one-year deal, but... I mean, what do you make of it? First, the two guys in there, the positions, they, they're really going after the cornerback room. Yeah, it's, it's a position of emphasis. We picked it. It's one of the reasons why you guys did a cornerback show on Monday. It was such an important position. We were thinking that you could viably go 6 and 18 or you could spend both second-round picks on the position. You could go for a high-priced vet and, and a draftee. Every single time we were looking at this, it was, we must get two of these guys minimum. And they've done that in free agency, and they've done it without bursting the bank. We're not looking at a $22 million average per year Jalen Ramsey-esque deal. $11 million a year and six and a half is it for Mosley, or something like that? It's it's terrific business. I mean, you guys were talking about um, Sutton and saying that it is it Sutton Cam's no Cam Sutton Cam, yeah, Cam Sutton that's the one um, that you know some people were saying potentially it's a slight overpay. But uh, commenting afterwards, you guys were saying you know it's, it's free agency and that's kind of what happens and it is. 
But overpaying someone to the tune of $11 million for one of the most important positions in the game at a position of massive need that we'd all identify beforehand as something you've got to spend money on. It had to be done. It's people that have respects around the league. You said it very well at the time, but talking about teams and their, their former players, about them being distraught that these players are leaving, both the 49ers fans and the Steelers fans both said the same thing. I can't believe he's gone. Important player for our team. We should have been able to afford that. We'll get onto that about Deshaun Elliott as well, because I don't know if you guys have seen the contract details for that, but I am pissed. Um, but these guys have come in. And you know what? If they don't work out at that price point, there's easy outs after two years for Sutton and one year for Mosley. So so if it doesn't work out, it's fine. But uh, it's probably going to work out, I think, given how well our defence played towards the back end of last year. And we've just improved. And, you know, suddenly we look like we've got strength in depth at the position. And we can still draft somebody. It's, it's just good business. Oh, yeah, I think the whole point about drafting someone is not out the equation. When you look at the 2024 roster, we have Cam Sutton, Ify Melifonwu, and Chase Lucas under contract. That That is it. The room is bare after this year. There are one-year deals of plenty. Jeff's in his last year. Jerry's in his last year. Um, Mosley's got one year. Will Harris has got one year. <coughs> um, so there's still a lot of un- long-term uncertainty about the position so this is not going to affect the draft stop there but I, I like the draft I, I like the picks Ryan what do you make of you know we talked about Cam Sutton the other day did you did you expect them to go corner again and, and what do you think of Emmanuel Mosley uh, I thought they'd bring someone in I didn't think they'd get someone that has been well best part of a first or second depth corner for the last five years like you say obviously Mosley tore his ACL after five games last season. He was on pace for a really good year, what he did for five games. I'm amazed that the San Francisco 49ers wouldn't stump up the money. I don't really know why they didn't keep him. It's like they couldn't afford it. They definitely could afford it. They just chose not to, even though he's young and a good, solid starting option. I think a one-year flyer for someone coming off a bad injury is probably the best way to play it. If we'd have committed two, three years to him, I'd have been like, mm, I wouldn't have been that confident in the move. But I feel like, well, he's kind of the ethos now. Like say, like if you've had a rough time somewhere or you want to have a new change of scenery, we'll give you a year. If you do well, we'll give you two years. Anzalone, Kamish, uh, Harris, Charles Harris. It's kind of the probably the long-term plan right now of bringing guys that are down on the look of kind of just been tossed aside. He feels like he's kind of been thrown out with the trash. It seems like the 49 has kind of just washed their hands of him for no real reason. Mm. Yeah, so I feel like you're potentially looking at two guys, like say, we'll, dra- I, we'll definitely draft one as well, I reckon, in the first four or five picks. But you could have two starters already here. The, the nickel position might be the only one that's actually up for debate come training camp. And it's been a point that he'll be ready for training camp because he tore his ACL that long ago that he's more than ready to go. So he should be good to go. So yeah, uh, addressing the biggest need first and then maybe looking at like pick six is the one I'm thinking now. It 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 makes you wonder now which direction they're going to go in. It's definitely not going to be common about now. You just don't feel like that falls yeah. that higher priority now. But then you think quarterback maybe uh, <laughs> running back 
I, I, I don't know. D- I, the end. Like I say, does this bring like say Harry Wilson into play? Oh, I hope uh, not. Murphy, guys like that. They're probably going to be around that area now. Oh, I hope. I hope not. Tyree was. I hope the Cardinals stay st- stuck at three and pick him. You know that'd be the gods like. Pray that that be the gods showing us the ultimate amount of like luck in the world. To be fair, um, but I think it's surprising that that one year six million dollar deal for Mosley for me could be, and I use the term here, a stonkingly good deal for the Lions. If he pans out how he should, that will be a stonkingly good deal, and we will be like that is one of the best deals that's been done in a very long time. And we can soon. I don't think it's an overpay. I really don't. You look at the value for corners in the list, where he's at. I like the contract. I like them both. We needed corners. We went out and got them. One is going to be a partial long-term fixture here. The other one, as Ryan said, a flyer. We've landed on a lot of these flyers. So all it needs is him to have a good season. I think he will be back here. And, And as Ryan said, the 49ers have discarded him. Like the Falcons discarded Kamish last year. Kamish has had a good year here. He didn't want to go anywhere else. He wanted back here. Dan Gamble wanted him back here. So I can I can foresee something happening again. But the corner room, for sure, looking a lot better. Jordy mentioned, so you've got Sutton, Mosley, Akuda and Jacobs now have a boot up their arse. And like, right, you, you guys got to perform this year. And I know it's harsh on Jerry, but, you know... He does. He's in his last year. He's got to show he can be here in the future. If he can still make a comeback, Lucas is in there. I still think there's going to be two draft picks in that corner room as well. It could potentially be really good, really quick. So, yeah, kudos to Brad Holmes for those deals. And the other deal that he's made, this one happened last night, and now this one has generated... A lot of discussion, and we've already been asked the question multiple times in the chat, so let's get to it. David Montgomery, running back for the... Well, used to be running back for the Chicago Bears. We all know about him because he's trucked over us more times than I care to imagine at this point. He's been a bane in our side, just as bad as Dalvin Cook has been over the years. But Chicago, they are in, you know, year one of their rebuild. He is a guy from the old system. They didn't want to pay him. They let him go. The Lions decided to pay him instead. Three years, $18 million deal with $11 million guaranteed. Now, don't take the big number, folks. Take the small number. Currently, he is going to be projected to be just less than $4 million a year in guarantees for the Lions, let's say, over a three-year period. This is a guy who has a 1,000-plus scrimmage yards. Every season he's been in the NFL, he has never run below 800 yards in a season. And people might go, well, that's not really great. But when you consider into the fact that he's been running behind that Chicago offensive line, which is absolute dog's dinner compared to what ours is, and the possibilities are endless here. I'll give my two cents first. I absolutely love this move. I do not think it is an overpay. I do not think it is deviating away from the plan here. I still think we're going to draft someone as well, but this is a proven commodity at the NFL level. He is a stand-up guy. Everyone's upset Jamal might be going, but everything that Chicago Bears fans say about David Montgomery, he is a stand-up player, a stand-up man guy that you want in the locker room his production is there year after year after year the injury availability you know best ability is availability he has it 
for someone who's been used so much and carries so much and receives so much, he's been available. I love this move, and I think it makes us very dangerous. We have a bona fide running back threat in the room now. I'll start this one with you, Ryan, this time. David Montgomery, Lions have got him three years. What do you make of Brad Holmes' decision to go veteran at running back? See, I'm very much in the camp that I love Jamal, but I'm not giving him what he wants because I'll tell you now, wherever he signs, he's asking for more than $6 million a year. I, I am sure of it. There's reports saying they're so far away in valuation, he is not returning. 100% he will not be a lion. I just don't see how it's going to happen. I think David Montgomery is a better running back than Jamal in every asset. Like I say, he's just as strong. He catches the ball better. He's miles faster. Jamal Williams has got one gear. And I'm not I'm not bashing Jamal, but Jamal is not fast. He does not have home run. He does not have that home run strike. David Montgomery does. He does not go down. He can spin out. He's hard to tackle. He's a great receiver. Like I say, he's, he's 25 as well. I didn't even realise that. He's been around forever, and he's still only like 18 months old than John Gray Swift. He's 225 pounds. He's built like a truck. $6 million, like I say, best part of $4 million guaranteed a year for a guy that goes over at 800 clip a year. Like I say, gets like 230 to 240 touches a season, averaging like four yards a year. Yards per carry behind an O-line that is ever-changing and never stable. Like, if this, he could go for 1,100 yards next season easily <clears> just by just following his blocks and hitting the holes that it's all out of great for him. Add in receiving yards, he could go for 1,350. Like, say, a combined total yardage, like, say, easily, if, if he, we know what he can do. I think it's a great move. I think he was one of the best backs on the market. I don't know why Chicago have let him go. They've got all this money. Doesn't it make sense to keep someone that's consistent and that knows the scheme if you're going to fix your O-line? It, I think it's odd. Like I say, and I know their fans are upset to come here, but the organisation has let him come here. So it doesn't change the draft plan either. Like I say, Swift, if you don't get dealt, we'll probably be a free agent in a year. So then we'll only have like one running back basically on a roster, having like, I think, like I said, maybe Reynolds at the time, but yeah, we'll still draft it back. We still have to draft one. If Jamal does return, it'll be interesting to see how the dynamic will be because I genuinely don't think these two can fit together. They'll both get starter money. They'll both want to share. They're not going to split the carries. It just won't work. Let's say it's going to be a 65 Montgomery, 35 Swift, 64. You can't throw another pie in like Jamal. He's leaving on best terms he could do. Like everyone loves him. And I firmly believe that this is a business. I know people are upset Jamal's gone. Like, oh, he's a leader. Like you say, he's a, he's a rara, he's a cheerleader. That doesn't win stuff long-term in the NFL. You've got to still look for upgrades at positions. You can't just have the lovable guy. It just, just doesn't work like that. Can't keep them around forever just because they're the smiliest, happiest person and the best on the mic. That's just not how a business operates. Jamal will go somewhere else and he'll be loved. And he might win a few playoff games too. Like I said, uh, it, it's, not, it's a win-win situation for everyone. 
and people are bashing Montgomery. They're bashing the front office like, oh, you've sold out. Like you say, no one's going to be a full clear on the offence. Well, do you know what? Maybe Jared will have to pull his finger out and be a bit louder. Maybe he can't always be the quiet, shy church mouse. Someone else is going to have to pipe up a little bit and get the troops going. Maybe it'll be David. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think it's like... And the way they sort of the attitude that people have with running backs is now is draft them, use up their rookie contract, then dispose of them. They're, they're treated almost inhumanely, and the Bears fans are like, yeah, he's done. Draft someone else. But now you get him here, you show faith in him, give him the money in a stacked running back class. It's like, you're our guy, you can come here, you can earn the money. I, I just think it's going to work, but I don't, I don't know, but. I'll come to you first. I'll come to you next, Matt. So, so you kind of landed to this news yesterday. You returned off your holiday yesterday, and this was the first news that hit you as you got back. Um, how are you feeling about the move now as you've had time to digest it and, and think about uh, the ramifications of it? I never really wanted to pay Jamal. Not, not that he didn't deserve it. I don't really like paying running backs. And I know that you spoke just then very well about not using them all up and then not paying them like that doesn't really seem right with you but for me i've never really liked paying running backs because it just seems like an inefficient use of resources i think one of the reasons why chicago is letting him go is because they believe in khalil herbert his price point more than they do montgomery his price point herbert was already getting snaps off montgomery you saw that throughout last year so for me the reason why it's happened is obvious um, and I think it works both ways. I think Montgomery sees this happening and think, thinks, I want to have a chance to be the clear number one. He sees Swift struggling for the majority of the season. He sees how many snaps that Williams got here and thinks, I can have that job. So I think Montgomery smells opportunity here that he kind of feels slipping away at Chicago. So I think that's why the move has happened. I think the move is cheaper than Jamal would happen at. Like Ryan said, I think that Jamal will be looking for two years 15 mil something like that so i think we're getting a slight discount to that i think montgomery's a better running back um i think jamal's probably a better pass blocker just about some people in the chat saying exactly that and i i do agree with it but in terms of just pure runner he's clearly much better jamal is a top end rb2 no one in their right mind is going to claim that jamal is an rb1 it's not true Montgomery is an RB1. We don't need... We don't need Swift. Like, if, if Swift goes, this room doesn't really get much worse. Now, if Swift goes, there'd be room for a speedy back in day three. We kind of don't need that either in this draft. Look ahead to next year, maybe we do. But there'll be plenty to pick up in free agency or, or the draft the year after. So... I now don't feel any pressure to take a running back at all unless Swift moves on. Um, our room just got a heck of a lot stronger. This is the move that a side that smells a potential championship does. This is a, the move that a team that says, okay, yes, we became competitive, we became really good. I'm not going to settle for that. We're going to get better than that. That's why Hawkinson moved on. That's why Swift will move on. That's why Jamal is moving on. And it may seem cruel and it may seem brutal. But you know what? If the good vibes continue, because at the end of the day, the whole point is they can't be... They can't break the culture of the locker room. You can't bring on those guys. But if... If they are a culture fit, 
if they buy into the ethos so that it doesn't break things, the team will get over Jamal not being there. And once they see Montgomery break off a big one, I mean, the sky's the limit for this offense. It just got better, and look what it did last year. This is a great, great move. I really don't like the amount of money that it is, but considering what it is, and considering it looked like Jamal was destined to get re-signed, given what happened last year, I'm more than happy that this is the result. I can see my guy Jordy in the chat is championing the correct line of thinking, which is this is Jamar season. Jamar Jefferson is going to come out of his little shell. We've been moulding this super weapon at running back. He is going to come in with Montgomery, and together they're going to be one of the best one-two punches in the league this season. Absolutely 100% agree with that there. But in terms of Jamal, so, I mean, we're talking about Monty. With Jamal, I'm going to say something here. So... Jamal is beloved by the fan base, and rightly so. He's beloved by us all, and we will miss him greatly going forward. But there's a reason why us as Lions fans have these such emotional attachments to the players over the years. Think Staff, think Slay, think Barry, think Calvin. We have these such strong emotional attachments to the players because there's no success on the pitch that went with them. You know, they're all we have is these relationships with the players and we love these guys who mean everything to us and give it all. But times are changing. You know, we've for years been on this, we've been under such inept ownership and we've been going in the wrong direction and we've kind of had to rely on having great players who we can get behind and support and who are lovable to sort of make up for the lack of that success. Right now under Brad Holmes, we are going to the playoffs. We are going to the postseason where we have wanted to go for a very, very long time. But to get there, these decisions, these really hard decisions about players we know and love are going to have to be made. As you two have both said, Jamal was not going to be here on a team that's going to the playoffs or the Super Bowl. It's it's just not going to happen. So Brad Holmes has to look at this and go... It's a decision we have to make. We have to get better at the running back position. David Montgomery is available. I'm sorry, Jamal. You've done everything for this franchise. You've done everything right, and it doesn't change any of that. But we have to keep getting better, and this is the price you pay for wanting to be a great football team. You are going to have to make sacrifices amongst players along the way that you don't like. And I think that's just just what is happening here. We have a better football team going into next season now with this move. And it's not like, you know, Montgomery is a stand-up guy. You talk to any Chicago Bears fan, they say he is a model of the player that you want to be. His attitude, the way he goes about things. He's a stand-up exemplary player. And we've brought other guys back. Kamish, beloved by the fan base, he's back. It's all about the right players at the right time, at the right price, to keep your team evolving. And we're going to have to make some hard decisions amongst these players along the way. So, there we go. I, I, I love the move. I think we're better instantly. And I think we're still going to draft another running back. Because as you mentioned, there isn't another one on the roster apart from Montgomery next season. So, <laughs> there's still long-term uncertainty there. We still need to draft somebody. Um, so, other moves that have happened. So, that's it in terms of... The free agency signing so far. So the Lions' own free agent since the other day. Um, on Monday, we'd already signed Piers Barker, Bugs, Reynolds, and Anceloni. Since then, 
Ay, ay, ay. We have re-signed offensive tackle Matt Nelson. He is back. He was not given the restricted free agency tag, I think, that he had. He, was, he, he wasn't given the tender. He was given a lesser deal. He's back. Will Harris is back. Um, yeah, we're split on this on the panel. He has a £2.5 million fully guaranteed deal, but as you will very quickly be told, it works under the veteran contract scheme, so we're only getting charged about £1.3 this season, not 2.5. And also the big news that, I mentioned it a minute ago, the commish is back on a two-year $8.5 million deal. Um, we were... I think we were debating this the other week in Discord. I thought he was going to get that sort of money. Some thought he was going to get less, but I think that's a cracking deal to get Kamish back here. Um, Matt, I'll come back to you first, and we'll work the other way around the room. What do you reckon of the three that have been done in the last two days? If you want to mention Anzalone, etc., please feel free to do so. Um, okay, so Will Harris... Um common sense move he's going to be better than num number 53 as as that rolls back up he won't be the starter we're going to draft someone or sign someone to play that role as the starter ahead of him as the backup star role cap hit 1.3 million fine i mean you'll you'll find no one arguing he's a good player but as a player as a backup role you won't find better, you just won't. Matt Nelson is inevitable. There is no stopping Matt Nelson. Um, so I, th I think it's, it's Chris Robbins on Twitter who's heavily involved with the Detroit Lions podcast who actually responded to your dour comment about Nelson coming back. Basically, we have re-signed Matt Nelson, I think was what you said. <laughs> or it was, not a dour, it was not a dour comment. It was just... Okay, so all of the re-signing comments that you made were... Brad Holmes has got the cornerback, blah, 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 blah. And, and for this, it was just retweet Detroit Lions saying, we have re-signed someone. I don't think you even mentioned Nelson by name. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. His comment was, and I fully agree with it, if you look at the free agent available offensive tackles who can come back on veteran minimum, he is, unfortunately, the best option on the board. And if you want to do better than him, you have to spend cap that you want to allocate to other people. So, okay, we'll spend an extra $3 million getting uh, an OT6. OL6. Okay, fine, but we don't get Emmanuel Mosley or John Kaminsky. One of those two can't come now. You know, that's the difference here. So, Matt Nelson coming opens up other possibilities elsewhere. He's the best option at the right price, and it's just a shame that he's absolute shit. But you've got to have OT3. And he's the guy, so, you know. <sighs> Don't Sophie's Choice me like that. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> You can Sophie's Choice yourself if you want. It's not my fault, but, you know, there we go. Kaminsky, it's more money than I wanted to give him. I'm delighted he's back. We've managed to fit it in under the cap and make other moves too. He's a really big piece. He's a big locker room guy. Love the move. Um, what else did we have? Uh... Harris taking the pay cut is excellent news for us because you want to keep him around. His upside is really high. You couldn't keep him on his current contract, so he stays. Lions get cheaper on the cap. Everyone's happy. Uh, Bugs coming back is fantastic news. He's potentially the most underrated guy on defense. You have a look at what he did in the huddle, how much of a leader he's become. 
in terms of like pounds of f- flesh per dollar spent, he's right up there for the Lions. So I'm, I'm <laughs> delighted he's back. And Anzalone, it's a bigger deal than anyone thought he was going to get. Much bigger, six million a year, six and a quarter million a year, whatever it is. It's massive. He we gave him what three million last year or three and a half million. So four and a half. You know, he, four and a half. Okay, so he got a fifty percent pay rise. That's quite a lot, but I guess if you look at what he did twelve months ago and we re-signed him, we were like, okay, fine. There's another stop gap. It's all right. But he didn't play amazing last year. He legitimately played a heck of a lot better in the most recent season gone. So if he was going to stay, he deserved a pay rise. I didn't really want to give it to him, but he's a big leader. And actually, he came up with some of the big clutch plays last year. You know, linebacker is just one of those that makes a massive impact when it's going well. And it it started going really well. Those last 10 games or so, he really started to come into his own. I think he had one bad game against Carolina, and that really showed. But barring that... He legitimately was very good. It means that, you know, I think it's going to be a team option for year three, so he might only be here for two years. But he got the bag. He's a leader. He helped develop Malcolm Rodriguez. So hopefully Rodrigo, when he comes into year four, can take, or year three, come into that green dot role, take Anzalone's job. That will be a natural progression. It doesn't preclude a signing, a mid-linebacker, but I do think it maybe means that we can have a look at a will. Because I think Derek Barnes... I think Derek Barnes is it. And if you said you can have Anzalone and draft a Will, or you can have Barnes and draft a Mike, in this draft class, take an Anzalone and the draft pick at Will. That's just going to be the more reliable thing for us. And you know what? Will's a bloody impactful position too, especially if they can blitz. And Barnes is a blitzer. We haven't used him as well as we could, but he also hasn't really deserved it when he when he plays he improved a bit last year but he never flashed not really so i i I hate to throw shade at one of our own players when i'm talking about a contract for anzalone but i really do think that's the choice that we're making is which linebacker do we want to draft because i think one's coming and i i prefer bringing anzalone back i feel i feel just quickly about barnes i feel like we've not had the tunnel burrowers up front to really make the most of him you know you've got guys on your defensive line who can burrow holes up front and so he can exploit them then great that's when he's at his best and i don't feel we've kind of had that situation for him so i think it's big year for him but we'll see with him with Anceloni, i don't know if i mentioned this the other day but i think he needs to earn this contract now he's he's earned his he's earned this second contract extension but he has got to play for this, but there are no excuses now. There is no Jamie Collins bogging him down. There is no untested rookies in the you know in the unit with him. Raul Rodrigo's proved himself more than capable. Barnes is getting better. Now is the time of no excuses for him. He has to play like a leader as well as act like a leader. So we will see with that. But Ryan, see yourself. Matt Nelson's back. Will Harris is back. Kamish is back. What do you make? of the re-signings by the Lions since uh, last we spoke on Monday? Uh, Will Harris was just inevitable. Right. The team, the coaches, they're just enamoured with him out there. They just... And yes, he was the best PFF graded Lions call last year. That's because everyone else was kind of terrible. So that's really nothing to go off of. But they've got a plan with him. And he's available and he puts a shift in. Like It's just... It was always going to happen. Right? In the same way that Quagmire and Fabula Guy always gets the lady, 
Will Harris is always going to get his chance to stay and contribute. Hopefully, like I say, we do bring in like a star starter like Brian Branch. That that would be kind of cool to replace Harris with that. But for right now, he's going nowhere. Matt Nelson, do I think he's any good? No. Do we have any depth on the offensive line? No. No. It, it's bad. The offensive line right now is looking in really bad shape. Of course, he was coming back. If Kramer wasn't such a health risk, Kramer would have come back to. I'd guarantee. I'd definitely. Let's say so. We need bodies there. So yeah, he's he's a body. Uh, Kamish deals okay. He tested the market. He took his time. He did his research. Listened to people. Didn't. No one lived up to his expectations. So came straight back. That's what I expected him to do. Happy Amir, because also a defensive tackle, is also another position I am worried about. I said, we, we do need some depth there as well. If we'd have lost him, I'd have been nervous going into next year about impactful defensive tackles. Charles Harris, yeah, nice of him to save us $3 million. I appreciate that. He's now safe. The onus will go on Romeo to maybe take a pay cut. Or oh, he's a goner. Julian is good as gone. Alex Anzalone, we, he's the best linebacker on the team by far as of right now. He had to return. And when I look at other deals, I think Leighton Van Der Esch got the same amount of guarantees. I think 11 million, which is fair. Alex Singleton, like kind of another comparative guy, earned a little bit more. And then you like you jump up to the Bobby Okariques, the TJ Edwards. Their deals are astronomical. Like, they, they, they earned their bags and we were never going to have to sniff at them. So bringing back Alex for medium to good inside linebacker. And I agree. I I want to draft a, an inside linebacker. I, don't, I want to draft a Will this year. Someone to go with Malcolm. Someone like a, a Diabate, a Campbell, a Henley. Someone like that. Like I say, if I because Barnes, I also agree. He ain't it. And if he ain't it this year, he ain't a lion in 2024. He will be gone. So that's fine. And then I'm fairly happy with everyone else. Like I say, it's it's been solid. They've brought back who they've needed to, with who we're going to talk about, who's signed what elsewhere. Like I say, Deshaun, I knew he wasn't coming back. He's the kind of guy, he's the reason I don't get attached to players anymore because he just used the Lions as a stepping stone. 100%, he never had any intentions to stay in Detroit long-term. Everyone, I think, knew that. He's got, like I said, I bet the deal's not great, but... Do you, do you say that? Okay, do you want to know how much it was? Have you seen how much it is? I've not. Go on. No. He was paid... Oh, where's it gone? 1.2 million. Right. So, yeah, he didn't. Want, he never wanted to stay in Detroit. He was taken it elsewhere. I knew. That's why I didn't... I knew he wasn't going to return. He's the kind of guy that will... Oh, sorry, 1.77, but, you know, same deal. We were all thinking he might get, like, five or four. 1.77 is just... I nothing. I think that I think they're going to go for safety in the draft. I do. I I now yeah. I'm not. Well, I am worried about Tracer. I know I see videos on Twitter that says Tracy's doing great and fine, but he still worries me because he's still prone to knocks and stuff like that. So I am going to draft a safety. Yeah. So, yeah. But other than that, I said that leaves two high-profile names yet to decide. All the free agent wide receivers so far getting like, what I say, so Juju, Lazard, and Jacoby have all earned roughly $11 million a year. Does that mean Chark is going to have to lower his expectations? 
is there a chance he stays now? He could stay in Detroit because the wide receiver market is not really good that right now. It's, it's not hotting up like you might have thought it would have done. No, no, that's very true. I mean, so there's a few bits you guys have mentioned there. So first, Charles Harris... So anyone who doesn't know, he's taken the $3 million pay cut for next season. I really like this. I said on Twitter earlier why I really liked it. Respect begets respect. Charles Harris was on his way out of the NFL when the Detroit Lions gave him an opportunity to come here and resurrect his career. He took that opportunity in year one with us, played really well, led the line in absence of just about everybody else on there. He got his deal last season. He wanted to come back to Detroit. He could have got more money elsewhere. He came back. Injury banjacks the second season. It was really sad. It's not really his fault. Injuries happen in the NFL. But you come to year three and everyone's going, oh, maybe he's a cap casualty. He's gone, is this. But he remembers the faith that the Detroit Lions put in him when no one else did. And I think for him to agree, look, yes, I've been injured, I've not been able to produce like what you paid me to do, I'm going to take this pay cut and I'm going to show you that I'm worth keeping around on this team. I think it is indicative that that's him respecting the organisation because the organisation respected him. This is the two-way level, this is what they talk about in a player-first organisation. You know, treat the players well and they will respond in kind. I love that he's done this deal. I know some... People will say, well, he did it to save his skin and keep a job on this team. How many deals have you seen done this season where we were, we couldn't come to terms on a restructure? Like Darius Slay today, gone from the Eagles. They couldn't agree a pay cut for him. He didn't want to. He wanted the money. He's gone. Lots of players have done that. Charles chose to take a pay cut to stay here in Detroit. I love that. I think it's indicative of the new culture that's here. So... I, I really like that. I hope he does it. I hope Romeo does it as well. Because you know what? Hutch, Houston, Romeo, Harris, all these guys here next season, Pascal, that's a scary edge room. Harris has shown he can do it in this league. Aquara has shown he can do it in this league. Those two are playing for their futures this year because it's the last of their deal. Houston, you know, massive breakout last season. We could have a stupidly good edge room. So I want Romeo to do the same and show his commitment because the Lions have stood by him as well and well, they've paid him a lot of money to do nothing. So we will see. But I love the Harris move there. As for the O-line depth we mentioned with Nelson, I think offensive line's in top three needs in the draft now. I know there's a lot of guys in the chat talking about it, but I think offensive line's in the top three. I just do. One, you're going to... I mean, you need depth for the future. But it's not just, oh, depth guys who you can keep as OT6s and guard fours and stuff like that. These are the guys of the future who have starting potential in the NFL, ridiculously high ceilings, and are going to be there when we have to start paying everybody. So I think it's going to be a real big need for there now. Now, in terms of losses, oh, well, in fact, let me just quickly check Eric's wonderful little list of everything so I'm just making sure that I've not forgotten anybody at this point I think that is it so obviously we've just mentioned Deshaun Elliott is gone for very little money so you know we've got Tracy back I, I don't know maybe Tracy's quicker than expected recovery from injury has expedited the decision on Elliott it's like well we've got our vet we'll go young again at safety I don't know but we'll see um 
So, a lot of moves done. Not many of the other guys have gone anywhere else so far. I don't think anyone else has signed anywhere, to the best of my knowledge, which I am surprised about. But we, we were asked the question in the chat earlier. I can't remember who asked, but it stuck with me, and I did want to ask it. With all these moves that Holmes has made, he has surprised a lot of people by the moves he's gone out and done. People thought we might be quiet just re-signing our own guys, maybe a flyer here and there. But no, we've got Cam Sutton three years, we've got Emmanuel Mosley, I know it's only one year, but it's still a pretty good statement signing that is Monty for three years. Do we think that Brad has seen the window that we've all seen and has maybe slightly expedited this rebuild to push for the league now and really establish ourselves going forward? Because I think it feels like he is doing. This is an open question. Yeah, um, in short, yes. The Lions low-key believe, given how weak the NFC North is, that they could well be running the table in the NFC North, get to 11 or 12 wins by going 500 in the rest of the games, be the number two or number three seed in the NFC, and have a viable shot at making the championship game. The thing is, I don't think that he's actually done it by accelerating anything. At the end of the day, he's made common sense moves that are the best thing for the team short and long term nothing he's done so far has risked the future of the team in any way shape or form they may have backloaded the deals very slightly more than they might have done otherwise but it's a minor massaging of things it's not you know wholesale pushing everything into the future as much as possible. Yeah, okay, they restructured Tracy, which I ideally wouldn't have done, but okay, fine, I can live with that. It's not like they've restructured Goff. It's not like they've restructured Decker or Ragnow. And that may be to come if they really think they want to push it. This Lions team, if Goff plays like he did last year in the second half of the season, if this team, you know, comes together like we did in that 8-2 and two run, and I mean, let's be frank the carolina game was awful if they can get that sort of odd bad game out of their system this team can be in the super bowl it does not take much to look at the second half of last year to go through free agency well to draft well and having not really risked the future of the team they the, the window is open we should be competing and we should be expecting to compete and while i've been saying all off season we got three wins two years in a row one good year doesn't mean i'm expecting anything more i'm starting to change my tune and actually you know what if we're not 500 this year and we're not winning the division something has gone seriously wrong we should be winning this at a canter and not by resting on our laurels or getting complacent we've got to hold this team to account we've got to live and breathe it the fans have got to be in ford field giving it everything this team should be winning games serious games against big teams in the conference and you know what i do not back us against the mighty mighty teams in the afc san francisco don't have a quarterback otherwise they'd fit in with that afc crowd otherwise I mean, the eagles are getting shot to bits who else is good in the nfc we might viably be the best second best team in the nfc right now I'd argue the Falcons have put in a claim with their free agency, but I, I know what you mean. Well, they don't have it's... a quarterback either. Goff would start there in an instant. 
Yeah, no, no, that's very true. Very true. Um, at, at the end of the day, personnel-wise, we may not be up there, but the system works for who we have. We have drafted and got free agents so well that fit like a glove in what we do that we are playing so much better than some of our parts. You've just got that in my head now. Like a glove. <laughs> just, just completely in there. Ryan, what do you, what do you reckon, Roy? Um, is Brad Holmes... Maybe expediting this rebuilding process because he sees an opportunity for the North, given these moves he's made. Uh, yeah, the landscape is changing. We've seen the Vikings going through not even a rebuild right now. It's a it's a fucking tear it down to get rid of Thielen, Harrison Smith, Darwin Tomlinson. They could lose Cook, Madison, a lot of their high profile guys. Like they're literally going back to basics and saying. Yeah, we're probably not going to be ashamed to contend next year. Bears throw money around like they're 50 cent in a strip club. Like I say, they're, they're just having fun with it. The Packers, well, yeah, bit l- losing their talisman. Like I say, right now, we've got a chance to not even win the NFC North, to stop it. We could win 12, 13 games next year. Things click. And these new guys starting well. And the ethos has always been like, like, let's give the young guys a chance now, but bringing in some veterans like Mosley and Sutton to contend with young guys and get that perfect blend of that little bit of, we've we've been there, we've done it, we've worn the t-shirt. Mosley's played five years in San Fran, very experienced. Sutton is a, a stalwart in Pittsburgh. They've got a lot to offer to these younger guys. And we've still got, what, eight draft picks? We're still going to bring in loads of young blood. <clears throat> Yeah, we're going from like the second youngest team in the NFL to we're probably going to be like the maybe what the fourth or fifth this year. Probably going to get a little bit older, but we're also going to get a little bit wiser. And as you mentioned, that like say away the road schedule may be difficult, but at home we've got a real chance to make Ford Field a fortress this year. We can merely make teams suffer. So I agree. If we if we didn't win more than ten games, I feel like we've we've missed a shot. Uh, we, we've really kind of shot ourselves in the foot this year. There's a chance to... Do I think we're going to make the Well, no. Could we win two playoff games? Yep. Absolutely. I don't, I don't see why not. And I feel like that has got to be the kind of sole focus this year, is win a playoff game. Whatever it takes. For me, that is my baseline of where I will judge it at. If we get there to playoffs and we lose a playoff game, I would be very disappointed. I'll, I'll actually be upset. Uh, yeah, and you know, Mile Marker puts it really good in the chat. He goes, "It's fun to hear reality-based hope." You know, given that the last two years there's there's been zero expectation, given how far behind we were, how hard we've had to rebuild. But like Matt says, how we've hit on so many free agents and kind of expedited the process a bit, and we've hit in both drafts, and we've got a third draft to come, five picks in the top eighty-one. This is this is not us been a bias to Detroit Lions podcast here going, oh yeah, yeah, we're just going to win the North regardless, just taking all the facts. This is us looking at the rosters. You've said the Minnesota Vikings tearing it down. The Packers been held hostage by the quarterback. They can't make no moves at the moment. And then you've got the Bears. And I mean, the Bears have made some baffling decisions in free agency, as in they've paid two massive contracts out to linebacker, which, you know, me, that's, 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 that's like a wet dream for me. I'd do that. But most sensible people would not. 
You don't pay that. They've got no defensive, offensive linemen, really. They've got one guard. They paid him $30 million. But outside of that, you know, this is us realistically looking at this division going, it's ours to win. We are the young, ascending team. None of the other three can claim to be that. They're either middling vet teams that are just stuck in stagnation or they're regressing. So, absolutely 100%. This is reality-based hope. 100% there. Um... Question from Depp, fan man. So he says, if we don't replace Deshaun, we're not going to replace Deshaun. Could that be a sign we're going to try a CUDA at strong safety, especially given how many corners we're putting there? Ryan is shaking his head. I will go to him first for his justification. You don't think they're going to try him at safety? Nope. If they're going to move in, they moved in last year. And when he was asked last year, Jeff, before last season, he could move positions. Adamant was like, no, we won't. And the coaching staff has not really changed in the secondary. I don't think that will change. Whereas I think Jeff could play strong safety, even play a small, undersized, weak linebacker. I like rundowns. I think his tackling ability would lend himself to that. I'd say I think the furthest still go is nickel. They'll kick him inside, but I do not think they'll they'll swap him. I, and he definitely won't ask to be swapped. No, no, Matt. Do you have any conflicting opinion, or do you agree? With the signings we've made at corner, Jeff Akuda is not a starting cornerback for the Detroit Lions. That is where we are right now. Jeff Akuda is CB3, and he might not be CB3. He might be CB4, because Jerry Jacobs, when all of this kicked off, I had over him. So he's CB4 now. If he wants to play for this team, he's got to find his role. I don't know whether he'll ask to be moved. I didn't think he would ask to be moved, like Ryan said. But Jeff's a smart guy. You know, if there's nothing else said about him, it's that he's cerebral, he thinks about what he's doing, he's very smart. I definitely think he will consider asking for that move. Because the circumstances have changed. And it might just be Nickel. It could be the star role. He could be the starting star as opposed to Will Harris playing that role. He's played that role before. He did kick inside for a game or two, and he played very well there. It's going to suit him down to the ground. Now, it might cap his his future earnings at a certain level. One might say instead of... I mean, if he was a free agent right now, Akuda would be getting two and a half, three million on the open market. If he kicks inside and plays well, if he can play as well as he did inside last season, doing it again this time, he could get ten. Like... Okay, fine, you're not going to get $25 million a year as the leading outside corner, but time for a reality check, mate. You know, you ain't getting there, and, you know, if things go well, we ain't giving you a chance. Sorry, you've got starters above you now. So, I think the team will consider it. When he, when he was cornerback one or two in their eyes, there was no option to move him, because who else are you replacing him with? Now there's a choice, and I think they'll consider it. Okay, so one maybe, one no. Will it be very interesting? I think I'll I'll answer that question when the draft is done. If they draft another guy, then I would say no. They're probably going to rebuild at the position around Tracy and Kirby. So we'll have to see with that. Grandizer asks what to expect from Deshaun Elliott with the Dolphins. Well, his ass is going to have to improve real, real quickly because I mean their cornerback room is elite. So you're an opposition quarterback, you're going to be targeting the Dolphins' safeties next year, so he's going to be under a lot of pressure on that team. The Dolphins are going to be expected to make moves, so I think, I don't know. 
I don't know. I feel like he might get picked on a little bit next year. And that's not me being a naysayer because he's left us, but he did have his issues this year. He was good, but he did have his issues as well. And he's on a team that is going to want to get to the playoffs and has a star-studded secondary. So he's going to have to improve real quick. Um, where was the other question? I saw I wanted to quickly mention... Um, Dragon Fan Tim goes I was gone for a bit do you think Slay will return obviously Darius Slay has been let go from the Eagles that 17 million base contract you'd have had to pay if you traded for him is null and void so we've already signed two guys but I mean, guess quick answer from you both do you think he comes back could offer Slay 50 million he won't come back to Detroit he's done in Detroit we don't we've we nothing to offer him he wants to win he's got millions in the bank I just can't see it. Matt? I think he'd consider it, but, I mean, with what money for us? Like, okay, people in the chat have been saying, yeah, the Lions have still got loads of cap space and we've got this that we can manoeuvre with, but it's like, okay, yeah. none of the... T- I don't really know, I haven't really looked into it too much, but, I mean, just even accepting that, that Slade should be expecting to get paid exactly what he got paid at Philly. People didn't want to stump up, stump up the trade capital as well as the contract, but they'll stump up the contract. He'll get 18 million per for two years. We ain't paying it. it no chance. And if if we are... I, I can see us offering him a deal one year, like five, six million nostalgia's sake. He would be the best corner on this team if he came, and it'd be a great story. He wouldn't be part of the future of this team. But how many... So in terms of wanting a title... You've got to look at this logically and say, okay, fine, what AFC teams, because you'd probably go to an AFC team or the leading NFC teams. The Kansas San Francisco afford him? I don't think so. Okay, what AFC teams can afford him? I think they're all up against the cap. Like, Bills, I think, are struggling, especially with Jordan Poyer returning. I think that Miami are struggling against the cap. I think that who else is in that mix? The Chargers have spent a lot of money in free agency. Bengals. There's not. Sorry? Bengals, but The thing is, I am struggling to think of many places that make sense for him at the price point he'll be looking at. Whereas he could look at Detroit and think, if he thinks like we do, second best team out there, and it's a different culture now. And actually, I think he'd love playing for Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn, don't you? Like his personality fits them like a like a glove. So <laughs> I, I. It, I can't see it happening. I don't see how we can make the finances work. But in my bones, I feel like it's a really good fit again. So, no, but not closing the door entirely. All right, let's flip the question. Would you welcome him back? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm I'm just checking, you know, because, you know, say no with the deal, that's fine. But is is there a level to it? I would pay good money. I, I will pay good money. To see this again. He doesn't have a ring, does he? So, there no. is every opportunity. He could go and ring chase for a cheaper deal. I mean, obviously, that is not us, but I think he might go and ring chase for a cheaper deal. You know, if the Bills want him. Right yeah, for the right team, he will lower his demands. I mean, what if you put him What if you, what if you put him opposite um, Tredavious White at the Bills? I know they've got K.A.R. Elam in there, but... Hell, that's an upgrade for them, and they're a team ready to go if they can get it together on offense. So, I don't know. I think Buffalo might be a fit for him. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see with that one. Um, I knew there's something I missed that I wanted to mention earlier, but um, Kool Aid Kid did put a message in earlier that he had gone for a while. He'd gone out to 
buy flowers for his wife for her birthday. So happy birthday to your wife, Cool Lake. Hope she has a great day there. Um, if you've got any other questions about the Lions and free agency and you want to drop them in before we flip to pro days and draft-related questions, then please um, do put them in there now. Um, just to kind of round off this stuff with free agency and whatnot, with all that's happened so far, do you expect much else to happen in free agency that, that doesn't involve our own guys, I will say. Do you, we, we, we thought we might be done with Sutton, then we got a second corner, we thought we might be done again, and then we got the running back. What, what do you think? Do you think Brad has more moves to make yet outside of our own free agents? Uh, I think it will come down to, I think, by tomorrow, DJ will have an ultimatum. Brad should give him an ultimatum by tomorrow and say, Charky returning. If not, They'll bring in a one-year receiver. They'll bring in an outside guy and a one-year player, I think. Don't ask me who, but I think they will look to bring in a body. What position? Uh, X-receiver. X-receiver. Matt, do you reckon there's any more business up the sleeve there for Brad, or might it just be in-house from here on inwards? Mikael Hardman is the guy I would look to for a one-year deal if Charles <laughs> don't go. But I will heavily incentivize it. That's the only real option I see because Slayton and that will want multiple year deals um, I'm going to go ahead and say Matt didn't agree with that well, I could be wrong but putting a noose around his neck would, would indicate that he speed. didn't So He's got the trait of DJ has of speed he uh, can take the roof off a defence hey at least we've not paid Alan Lazard 44 pounds <laughs> we, we've already got our own Nicole Hardman we've got Nicole Hardman it's called Khalif Raymond and Raymond is better. Oh, 44 million for Alan Lazard. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's <laughs> a joke. Um, so, yeah, look, look, question, Matt. Is he going to do any more? He will do more if the right situation brings itself forward. He didn't need to go and get a second cornerback. You can't pass up mostly for six and a half million. He's going to put feelers out there and see who bites. And I don't think he's going to care how much it is. Holmes loves value above all else, draft picks and free agency. So if he can sign anyone that he thinks can contribute here at any price point, he'll do it if he thinks he's getting it under value. So everyone's on the table. Bobby Wagner is still on the market. And the longer things go on, that price is going to drop and drop until... He gets signed. Now, I think most people are expecting him to get signed by Seattle again. I've heard that rumoured a lot, but he hasn't done it yet. It would have happened by now, I think, if David Union was on the card. Didn't they finish on bad terms, though? I, I want to feel yeah. like he, he felt slighted by them when they didn't resign him. I, do, I don't think so, but I, I, I'm not sure. But anyway, I'm just having a look at who else is available at the moment. Um, would you trade a, for anyone? So, J.J. Hamler, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. So, Cortland Sutton is someone so, I wanted to bring up. He is your prototypical ex-receiver. He has done it. He's been there and done it. Now, injury issues are there, but he is a better form of DJ Chark. He's basically exactly the same player. Similar build, similar speed, but he's been a bit more reliable. Second round pick. If, I think he'll be a high day two pick. If, Not really if, him, if Brad Holmes starts giving up draft capital for players, then I will believe that he's all in. He, he is opening an all-in window if he starts doing that. I feel. I think if I owned, 
if I owned the last pick in the first round, Cortland Sutton would be dealt for that pick. I wouldn't offer 18, and I don't think they'll accept whatever our next pick is, 55 or whatever it is. Unless you throw in the, the next year with it. 55 and, and, and a... Three, three next year? next year or two next year, maybe. And, I mean, that takes our offense from very good to maybe best in the NFL territory. Like, we're getting there. So, you know, all we got to do is Cortland Sutton in a trade and then get Darnell Washington in the draft or get, I don't know, any one of the tight ends in round two this Ooh. year. It'd be really good. I think It'd be really that good. would be that would be interesting. I don't know. I mean, I, I put it in, in the chat. You guys are in the chat, all of you. Would you start trading picks for players now and just go screw it? We are going for it. I, I'm interested to see what people say. So let me know what you think in regards to that. Um, so in others, a lot of people in the chat are mentioning veteran quarterbacks. Do we expect the veteran quarterback to be sorted? Because a lot are going. Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, he's not really a vet we were going to, but Garoppolo's going to be the Raiders starter. Sam Darnold is gone. The Washington, who the hell did Washington just sign? They got... Jacoby um, Brissett. Jacoby Brissett, he's gone. I know someone mentioned Gardner Minshew. Do, do we expect to sort out backup quarterback in free agency that's not Nate Sudfeld? Well, yes. we should have got Nick Mullins. He signed Minnesota today for two years, four million. Two million guaranteed. I think he'd have been the perfect backup. There's reports a lot of people are asking Chad Henney that retired last year. Why do I feel like Detroit is probably one of the teams that might have reached out to him to be the backup? It would not surprise me. We do need a backup quarterback. <laughs> so responses to that, would you give up trade capital for players now include no, no, not yet, maybe next season. No, maybe for a young guy, but no, please no, nopers. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing a theme there that the people are not ready just yet to start trading picks for players. Um, but why? So, why would you rather draft a receiver that could totally bust with a second-round pick instead of maybe get caught in sun? Well, so what's the difference? So, one did mention young players. So, you know, we we'll have to be... I don't know. I, I think people would rather give up picks for players when they know they're two or three players away from competing. But, I mean, when is that? When do you know you're two or three players away? The, the NFL's such a change in league. You just, you just don't know. So, I mean, me, if it's the right player, I would trade now and I would do some business if I was going to shore up. Um, but it, it would have to be the right value. And I don't think Brad's going to do it this year. I think this is the last year... He'll show restraint with his draft picks, and I think next year onwards, we'll start seeing the freewheeling LA guy reappear out of his shell. Uh, yeah, no, we're still a rebuilding team. No, no, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that is indicatively a no. Right, I don't think I've missed... On, Sorry, go on, Matt. So just on backup quarterback, it has to be sorted in free agency. We must get one. There is no choice. We're not running with a draft pick at QB2 unless it's a really high guy but we're going to start golf i don't know whether it will happen there's a lot of choice in free agent quarterbacks there really really is that could do a job my wish is that we get someone who fits into the system well that can operate that sort of offense pretty effectively so people like Mar marcus mariota are not on the board for me 
You know, he can't operate this offense. But Teddy Bridgewater can. Short, you know, passer, accurate, in stride, no frills sort of guy. He's just going to step in and do well straight away. He'd be at the more expensive end, though, of what I'd like, unfortunately. Um, I don't really want Drew Locke. He'd struggle a bit more operating this offense, but he'd offer a bit more deep, which might be really good for JMO. So maybe could bring another dimension to the offense, and he'd still come relatively cheaply. Uh, PJ God. Walker. God, the Minshew. Walker. Minshew is up there. Minshew would probably come at the cheaper level. I don't think that he would command more than two million a year. No. Cooper Rush is the one that people have asked for a lot. He's had one half of one good season, not even that. And I just don't buy him as a quarterback that can really do a job over a period of time. Now, if we could get him at vet minimum, I'd, I'd be tempted. But there's a lot of choice out there. There really is. Let's just find one of them. I mean, you know, is there a quarterback out there who's a proper vet who wouldn't mind being a backup for a year to, you know, train you on, on practice teams and, and be able to do a job if required? I mean, you know, there, there's people out there who just can't retire for whatever reason. Like, I don't know, Matt Ryan. Like I, I, I don't, I don't think he'd come here for two million dollars. But if he couldn't bear retiring, can you think of someone better in terms of the practice team? Matt, pra- Matt, <laughs> yeah, Ryan made a very, Ryan made a very good point earlier. I ain't messing with Matt Ryan's agent because he just seems to deal in fleecing the fuck out of teams. So, yeah, no, does. I am not. Not going near Matt Ryan's agent. Thank you. Uh, Jordy goes Joe Flacco. Oh, no. is, is he still playing? He's got to be yeah, done by he's now, surely. No, he was, he was back up at the Jets last year. Oh, God. Um, no, it's just a smorgasbord. I think we're going to get somebody, and then we're going to draft somebody, preferably day three. Might we're going to talk about that. There's a few guys in the XFL that could be a backup in the NFL. Oh, God. When's What's-His-Face going to be back? Jordan Tayama will be back soon. Jordan so. Tayama and Derek King. <laughs> Uh, both up on the DC defenders. Tiamo did play for us. Um, Derek King has been in the NFL. Like I say, there's uh, Brandon Silvers, AJ McCarron. Yeah. Like, he'll probably be back at some point. Yeah. God knows why, but... Right, so to, to finish the free agency chatter before we go on, we, before we talk about draft, before we finish the show. So, um, Mike the Marianas's, um question, free agency safety, Taylor Rapp or Keanu Neal, who would you rather have? Oh, Rapp. Yeah. He puts himself in bad positions, but he's a thumper and makes players. And he's young. He's only like 25. Agree. Okay, there you go, Mike. That is a, I mean, I don't know. I've always been... Brad, I've, Holmes, Brad Holmes drafted him. I, right? Oh, that's actually a very good point. He did draft him. So, I mean, I've always been a Keanu Neal fan the last few years. So, I mean, just out of pure preference, it would be him. But, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind... Here, one way or the other. Um, right, let's talk about draft because people are starting to move into draft now. So, switching back into sort of college mode again, talking about pro days and who we have been visiting. So, I am very shamelessly, once again, because I've not had time to prep all this on my own, I'm going to use Eric Schlitz's very good list of all the people we've visited on pro days so far, just to let you know who we have and have not been talking to in regards 
to the draft because Eric always does a tremendous job with all this. So, reported visits so far. So, some of these are pro days, some of these are combine, but we, we can go through them both to sort of see where they're having a look at. So, um, quarterbacks, um, we have spoken with Anthony Richardson, and pretty much everybody did at the combine, kind of expected that to do so. Aidan O'Connell, the Purdue quarterback, whom I love to death. Um, we interviewed him at his pro day with Purdue the other week. Um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, his pro day, we've interviewed him. I think we did at the Combine as well. There's been a lot of love there. And if you watched our college HBCU show a few weeks back, you'll realize that we are also very heavily interested in Jalen Fowler, who is the quarterback at North Carolina A&T, Brad Holmes's alma mater. So it appears, putting Richardson aside that we can see a very big pattern emerging here in that they are looking at day three or slash undrafted free agent guys who have a lot of potential. They both have high ceilings, DTR or Fowler and O'Connell. All of them do. Do we think... I think this is where they're going to go. I think you're going to hear a quarterback's name called day three or be a priority free agent for the Lions. Would you agree, given who that they are, they are looking at at the quarterback position, right? I think it's two different ends of the spectrum. If the right guy falls to six, I think we take a quarterback. I'm convinced of it now as a dress in the corner. If we don't take one at six, we don't take one until round six. Like DTR. Dorian Thompson Robinson's grown a lot of people. He's a true dual threat nature. He can throw on the run, he can do design runs. He's led a very powerful offense at UCLA. He's gathering a lot of admirers. He might even go a little bit earlier. He might even have to go around four or five, which is where I don't want to stump up for a backup. But I can see this team rolling with a rookie backup QB this year, whether it's day one or day three. I think that's kind of where we are now. I don't know, Matt, what do you make about it? They are looking very highly at guys who are going to be day three or are going to be priority free agents outside of Anthony Richardson. Do you kind of agree with Rye if the right guy falls or if not, it will be a day three guy to be QB3 and, and develop long-term, hope they land on him? Every single year, they have done their research on the quarterbacks because if you hit on one, that's the ball game. You know that That's everything. And they know that you can get guys in day three. It's happened infrequently, but it's happened. So they always do their research. I don't think their research doing at the moment really indicates what they're thinking at all. But I've got to think that they're seriously considering it now, to be quite honest. Like, it, I, I completely agree with Ryan in short. At six... I think it's quarterback if someone falls. I don't think anyone will fall. I think four in the first five is a lock now. And I think they're perfectly happy to draft someone in day three. I don't think a day two quarterback's an option. I don't see them going for Hendon Hooker, Tanner McKee, Jaron Hall. They ain't going to be the guys. But can I see them going uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Aidan O'Connell, um... If it's late, Malik Cunningham as a priority UDFA, maybe. Uh, anyone who's a priority UDFA is going to be on the board if we haven't done it in, in the draft. But I just got to think that 
Aiden O'Connell and Dorian Thompson Robinson are going to be those guys. The thing is about quarterback three, they don't have to fit into your system because they ain't going to play. And so that's why DTR's on the board. Otherwise, Aiden would be, you know, much more preferable. But Stetson Bennett could be one of those guys because the thing is, even though he hasn't exactly enamored himself in this off-season cycle, he's someone who can operate the golf offense. Like... If we decided not to get a vet guy, he'd be right up there for me as someone who could be QB2 because he could come in and do everything Goff does. He's got those throws. He can't really throw the deep ball, but he can be the leader and he can do the short passes. So there's plenty of choice out there. There's no need to reach for a course back in this draft because there's plenty of good guys. Late place in tune could be someone who's an option. Yeah, I I, I definitely think day three. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm almost certain now. I think we're going to get a backup quarterback in free agency and I think we are going to get a guy in day three of the draft who we have hopes can be a quality backup in the long-term future because you need a quality backup in the NFL and if you can train a guy out of free agents, uh, out of the draft and get him yourself, you got him on a rookie deal, it just makes life so much easier for you. So I think that is the way we're going to go. Carlton Wood mentions Jake Hayner. Hayner's in the conversation Absolutely. Um, Dead Fan Man goes, we need a Turner's take video on our cap situation. We've got Ryan's rant. We're getting Turner's takes. I don't know. We're all going to get our own little spin-offs here if it, if it carries on. So maybe the, the, the people want a take video from you, Matt, on the cap sitch. So I don't know. It's up to you. You can decide whether you want to or not. Right, we'll move it on. So in terms of other visits the Lions have had, running back, very sparse, Evan Hull, the uh, the running back from Northwestern. That was just today. They are showing a very big interest in him. I love Evan Hull. Um, he has been Northwestern's offense this year. Go and watch the Ohio State game from this year when they played it in horrible weather. He was playing wildcat, running back. He was he was their offense, and he ran all over Ohio State. It was really good to see. So not really a lot of interest in there so far, but this is a very deep class, so you don't need to waste a lot of visits, I guess. Now he gets the receiver, and it gets very interesting. So three receivers so far have been known to have visits from the Lions. Quentin Johnston at the NFL Combine. He is from TCU, obviously. My wide receiver one, he's not a lot of people's wide receiver one in the draft, but he's mine. Um, Jaden Reed from Michigan State and Antoine Green from North Carolina. Now, I'm just going to use a few words that describe these guys, and you will see a pattern emerging. Quentin Johnston, ex-receiver, deep threat, long ball specialist. Jaden Reed, very quick Deep ball specialist, downfield threat. Antoine Green, downfield threat, deep ball specialist. They are looking at a very particular type of wide receiver this year. Guys who play on the outside, who are very physical, and play downfield as a threat. A guy, as we would say, an ex-receiver really that we need. And all these three technically fit the mould. Maybe Reed's a little small, but that's where he's going to play. Do we think that in lieu of Chart not coming back, or even if Chart comes back, as I've pontificated before, that ex-receiver, that outside build guy, it seems the Lions are eyeing one of those up for the draft. Would you not agree? Uh, and those three we've named, I would say no. Meh. All right, yeah. We're not, I'm not touching Quentin Johnson. He's going too high. 
I'm not taking a first round wide receiver. Even if Chark goes, I am not investing that high in receiver. This is a very large receiving class full of big bodied pass catchers that can get it down the field. I'm pretty much convinced of that. I'd rather go like a, a Josh Downs, so at round two, who can also play outside and take roof of defense. Uh, Jane Reed, he's a burner. Yeah, he's got good ball tracking down the field. Uh, Antoine, somewhat underused, let's say, from where he was. But that's because he was buried on a depth chart with other guys. But I can understand why we're looking at a potential X receiver. You do need a backup plan. You've got to kind of... You've got to... Ha- you need a fail-safe. Because even if DJ Chat returns... You can put your life savings on him missing at least three games a season with an ankle sprain, a knock. That's just who he is. So you, you've got to have a backup. And there's not wrong with that. Like I, said, I, I, I can't get on board with going too high, but I'm adamant we have to draft a receiver. Yeah. If anyone happens like our starting three trios, the depth behind it is just not there for me. Not when we're going to get rid of a few of them as well. Like, I'm I don't think Cephas will be here. Guys like Benson, like so guys like that, I just I just can't see them being on the team next year. So we no. do need to bring some in some cover. No, I yeah. Uh, before I ask you the same question, I just want to say, Cool Lake Kid has won the internet today. He said my own little spin-off show will be called Answers. I absolutely king love that. Just where I do a Q and A, it's called Answers. I'm gonna do that. In you have inspired me to do that show. I will do it. At some stage, Carlton Wood goes. Are they all UDFA's? No, Quentin Johnson isn't. He's going top ten in the draft potentially. Jaden Reed and Antoine Green. No, they will both get drafted. None of those are, are UDFA's. Um, Matt, there's a very clear profile that they're looking at in their receivers here. Yeah, there is. Um, we've got slots for days. We've got AZ. We don't really have any other Zs, but Josh Reynolds fits better as a Z than he does as an X, even though he's not that quick. Um, We don't have a backup X. We've got Cephas as kind of where he profiles best, but uh, Cephas ain't a good X. He's he's someone, ideally, that you'd have coming off the practice squad twice a year, really. You know, I love Quintez. He needs another year to kind of just be totally healthy and then I'll start trusting him again. Problem is he'll be out of his rookie contract by then. We definitely need an X, maybe two. So it makes perfect sense that that's who we're trying to profile. And important to note, these guys were all interviewed at the Combine. There's been nothing at Pro Day so far. So Brad Holmes has kind of wanted to be in on this. They've not been sort of heavily looking at guys without him. So it feels like a position they're putting a lot of thought into... um, when it when it comes to it, so we we, we will see uh, with that one. Uh, tight ends: Sam Laporta from Iowa and Tucker Craft from South Dakota State are the two known so far. They were both at the combine. They seem to have missed out on the the main sleuth of guys at the top. Doesn't mean they're not looking at them. Maybe they're just doing due diligence on the class outside the top five or six. There, offensive line. Starts to get very interesting here, and there's a big theme amongst these. So five offensive linemen have been seen so far. So you have Darnell Wright from Tennessee, 
they saw him at the combine. Quinton Barrow, who's the offensive tackle from Grand Valley State. So we're going FCS here. His pro day um, has happened already. Grand Valley State has, but I believe he's working out again at Central Michigan's pro day tomorrow. So Lions probably going to get another look at him there. You've got Jordan McFadden, the the tackle slash guard from Clemson they interviewed at the Combine. And then two top 30 visits have been spent on guards. That is Antonio Murphy from UCLA and Chandler Zavala from NC State. I love that one because I'm an NC State fan. I think he's great. But outside of Darnell Wright, guys, all these, McFadden, Murphy, Barrow, Zavala, these are day three, guys. So this seems to me like they are really going to... They're really pushing for some of these late guys who they think we can sit and develop these whilst we've got a good top five in there. Is that something you would agree with? Oh, yeah. They understand that contracts are due. Guys are due to get paid. Offensive linemen get injured all the time. And right now, there's very little depth. Like I said, there's no... We've got our CK, we've got Eze. They may never see the field next year. They may just not get called upon. They may just not be trusted enough. Like I said, they brought back Nelson because right now we have to. But do they want to play him? No, they do not. If they can get away with not playing Matt Nelson, they'll do it. If that means using a fifth-round pick on a new swing tackle, I'm all for it. If we want to use a third round on a new future guard, because I'm pretty adamant if that tie does not take a pay cut, he would, something will be getting cut and it'll be his ass. and I'll take up with the end of the first round start the second guard he has to show a bit of loyalty now because we're pointing up with his bad back yeah all I need to dressing and they know that you can always strengthen a strength and Brad Holmes understands the strength of the Lions is their all line it can it cannot be allowed to get weaker you've got to keep strengthening it and they get paid so heavily offensive linemen like look at Chris Lundstrom, Vulcans yesterday kind of reset the guard market again. And now I think Jonah's getting paid next year. Is he going to want five years, 110 million? Who the hell knows? So let's plan as if we're going to lose him. Let's plan as if we might need to replace him. It's never a bad thing to do to have too many O-line. No, um, I, I felt like that as well. I'm thinking there's a lot of emphasis on guards here. It just so happens that one... I think, I think this will be big for his last year here, even if he does come back. And then, like you say, with Jonah, he's going to get paid a boatload. So maybe they're going to go on the depth here. What, what do you think, Matt, with these, obviously, four guys who are day three guys, undrafted free agents? One, Darnell Wright, who Steve-O goes, is a dark horse to be drafted at 18. I feel like that's rich, but he could do. But the consensus is they are really trying hard on the depth guys here. What do you reckon? They know exactly where they're picking offensive line. We have our five starters. I think they feel confident that Big V is coming back. The way that they've acted so far seems to suggest that. So we've got our five starters. So you're not going to draft someone in the first two days at those positions because they ain't giving you any snaps whatsoever. So that's why people like Matt Nelson are coming back. They'll provide you that backup offensive tackle right off the bat. They won't need to acclimatize the system. They're already aware of it. What they are looking at is two to three years from now, there will be opportunities to move on from some of these veterans that we have on big contracts at the peak of their career 
to get first round picks in return for these guys because we're spending too much on the line. And if we're going to do that, we need to be able to replace them. Day three guys are not expected to start. So it makes sense to try and develop those guys now in view of then trying to draft away some of our starters in 2025. It's not the way that you want to think about it. But at the end of the day, if we develop these guys and we want to stick with our starters, we can trade away the developmental guys. Like, it just gives you the flexibility to move in any direction that you want to do. You need to build the pipeline at almost every position you can. And so we haven't got any backup offensive line. It makes total sense to go there in day three. Do you think we'd get a first round pick if we traded Jonah next year? If we didn't want to pay him? Oh God, yeah. I think we would. I, th I think there are lots of teams out there bereft of good O-line who would pay for him. Go on, Matt. And name a guard who in a trade has ever got on a first round pick. Yeah. Name one. You, there probably is not one. I think you'd get a second at most. It's not a valuable position. The NFL doesn't value it. They are increasingly valuing it. That five-year, 105 million deal suggests that they are starting to value it a bit more. But no, I don't think so. High day, high day two pick. I think you have to pay. I mean, is Jonas not a Holmes pick? Is he? Is he? Was he first year? No. I'm just trying to think. He's not a Holmes. No, but I'm just thinking Holmes' ethos is draft and pay your guys. And I know he's not technically one of his guys, but I feel like he is one of his guys. I think he's one of Dan Campbell's guys. I think we would pay him, even regardless of what happens. So you just backload the deal or something. But yeah, that that deal the other day for Lindstrom was just like, oh, wow. That is what we're going to be paying if he has a really good year here. Um, I know a few of you have mentioned about pick 6 and 18. We will answer that at the end. I'm just going through the visits first for the pro days. And we'll just take normal draft questions after that um, where were we um, yeah so in terms of visits if you go and watch Quinton Barrow I, I I would ask people to go and associate yourself with Quinton Barrow he's 6'6", 330 pounds I saw we were linked with him and there is a little bit of footage available but god the dude is a monster He's got every athletic and physical trait you want at this level. And yes, I've rightly been told Grand Valley State is D2, not FCS. Thank you for the correction there. I, I, I always keep getting that one wrong. I always keep thinking Grand Valley's FCS. But he's a small school guy, but he was at the Shrine Bowl. There is footage of him there, and the dude is a monster. So, you know, if we're going to spend a pick on someone, I'd love I'd love him. We're going to have to watch a bit more, but... Quinton Barrow, go and go and take a look at him. Right, other visits that we have had. Um, da, 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 where were we? So we're on the defense now. So oh, right, we, we've got to talk about him. Uh, we mentioned Northwestern. We interviewed Evan Hull. The name that's on everybody's lips at the minute is their defensive lineman. So it's Adatomiwa Adabare. So the defensive lineman there, people. He's the workout warrior from, I mean, the Senior Bowl, the Combine. He has crushed this offseason, and he is one of the hottest names on the draft circuit. I mean, I know the Bears are enamored with him. I believe their coaching staff do quite like him as well. We have also interviewed him. I don't see it. 25% missed tackle rate this year. He has the same issues that Tyree Wilson does. He can't win off the edge. 
by his speed alone. He is better, I think, on the interior as a disruptor, and the stats from college don't back it up. I don't know, Ryan, where are you falling on the scale with Adabari? Can he work here? You're going to be spending a high pick on him, I think, at this moment in time. I think he's too undersized. Well, mm. what did he come in at? Just scraping six foot one? Yeah. That that puts me off a little bit. I know it's not about size, but I feel like to win at the next level and how are you going to scheme him into that? Where are you going to play him? He's another guy that might try and make a living off playing off, like, say, speed, aggression, ball rush, athleticism. Does he have the arsenal that is required? He saw a hutch struggle at the start of the season because of the, the arsenal wasn't right there. I feel like other players do fall foul that. To watch him, he, he moves like a ballerina. Like I've seen clips today. He moves beautifully. He's incredibly agile. He's aggressive. He's still got that vicious side to him as well. And I'm sure someone is going to spend a high pick on him. Would I take him 18? No. Would someone else? They probably would, yeah. That That's too rich for my blood. I reckon by the time we pick again after 18, he's gone. And I'm okay with that. Adatom, you were Adabare, Matt. What do you reckon? No, I'm fine, thanks. Um, yeah, he's he's got something. But it's Lucas Van Ness to me. Like, yeah, Tim. You know what? you got all the physical gifts. Do I trust us to develop you? Yeah, probably. Do I want us to win now? Yes. We are... I've totally flipped from last year. I, I'm in win now mode in my head. Give me players that are going to contribute day one. You Adabare ain't gonna start. And he ain't gonna be much of a rotational player in this team either. He's basically not gonna be in the team at all year one. So let's go somewhere else. Let someone else draft him. He'll be a good pick for them, but not for us. Yeah, I agree. I just I think he's the workout warrior who someone's gonna get ripped off by. That is just me personally. If it's the Bears, I'll be in delighted. So <laughs> We, we will see with that one. Right, on to linebackers. We've interviewed a few linebackers. So Trenton Simpson from Clemson and Penne's brother Noah from Oregon, both at the Combine. Interesting, though, the one part, one bit of skill position coach news from the Combine, the third linebacker, DeMarvian Overshawn from Texas. Kelvin Shepard went to watch him personally on his pro day so you've got to figure that there is some degree of interest in him there maybe the Lions want another southern grit linebacker after getting Malcolm Rodriguez last year um what do we make of the linebackers obviously Anzalone is back now maybe do we need a specific type of guy do these guys fit what we think we still need in that linebacker room what do you make Matt you first with Overshawn uh, Simpson and and Noah we, I don't think Mike is is what we need. We've got two of them that we think we can rely on already. We need, well, we need a Sam and a Will, really, ideally. Um, so give me anyone that fits that bill that we think we can build on. Overshone would be up there for sure. We don't need Noah. We don't need to draft a late day three caliber selection in day two because that's where he's going to go still because the NFL's someone in the NFL is going to value him he's like he's a patriot if ever I've seen him you know it, it just going to fit that so well uh who was the other person uh there was Trenton Simpson Clemson 
I mean, I don't think we're taking them at 18. So unless we're ready to trade down to late mid to late 20s, it's not going to happen. He's, I've heard him being called the only starting linebacker in the draft or something to that effect. And he, that means he's going to be valued more highly than he's worth. I don't want him. No. Mike, Mike the Marine's got the idea. He says Henley. Yeah, Diane Henley's the only correct answer here for linebacker. He, he He's the guy. I just I just want him so bad. If we draft Diane Henley, you will get to see a live stream of me running around my block at 2 in the morning when we draft him, whenever it's going to be cheering and shouting. I will do that if we draft him. So, But overshot, I think it's interesting. If you're sending Kelvin out there, they obviously trust Kelvin with his, you know evaluation of linebackers and guys he wants in the building so I think it's interesting when they send him out I think Overshawn is going to be on the radar and then out of the DBs so far there's two um, so we met with Jamie Robinson from Florida State at the NFL Combine obviously we know all about Jamie because of Ash who will always go on about him and then the other intriguing one was the cornerback Corey Trice from Purdue now I was meant to profile him the other day I deleted my scouting report accidentally whilst I was working the stream so I couldn't do that but the more I've watched of him, the more I'm intrigued in terms of a guy who's, again, very physical at the line of scrimmage, loves his man coverage skills, he's got the length, the athletic ability, everything you want. It's like, they're looking at guys who who, who excel in man. We know they're interested in some of the top ones at the top of the draft, whether they still are with the decisions we've made, who knows. But I think we're going to get one of the guys who is very heavily you know, man coverage based. And these two guys are, are, are in there. So would you agree, you think, that that is where we'll go with the DBs? I know not many have been interviewed, but it seems to be what they're looking at. I can see the Lions drafting Jammer. He offers the versatility. Is he the poor man's Brian Branch? Is that fair? Do you know, that might be a fair comparison. And that's not doing him a disservice. That no. just means he can rotate between free, strong safety and nickel cornerback. Could Jeremy Robinson replace Deshaun Elliott? I think he could. I think for his compact size, I think he can lay the wood. I think I could trust him to be a thumper. Can he come up quickly into the box or come in a nickel? I trust him. I think he's a Swiss Army knife, and I think we like him. Trice, like I say, I'm thinking Trice is like six foot three in it. Pretty sure he's a massive dude. Corey Trice, I'd look at him. He's a he's a physical yeah. He's a he's an aggressive man caller, plays line of scrimmage. I like a lot of the Purdue guys, to be honest. I've got a crush on Charlie Jones, future X receiver, but I also like Corey Trikes. I feel like Purdue was sending a few guys that they're going to get drafted this year. Going back to Overshawn, I'm like 65% confirmed. Oh, sure, he's going to be a lion. I kind of just feel like he's got that, he's got that huge 6'4 frame. He's rangy. He, He's not overly physical, and it's not necessarily always translated to field play. He's not had the most production. I feel like he's the kind of guy we would like. Noah, hate him. Not a person, hate him as a player. I think he's terrible. He's so bulky. He's Jonah, he's, he's, he's Tavai. He's basically another Tavai. I feel like he moves through mud. He's a downhill runner. I think he's a pass rusher. Is he a linebacker? Can he play every down in the NFL? Can he bollocks? Not touching him at all. Trent Simpson, I love him. 
I think he's the best side-to-side -side linebacker in the draft. But 18 is a reach. 18 is just too high, and we don't like him that much. No one likes him that much. Unless we can trade back seven places, I don't think he comes in and play. But I feel like he would be a day one starter. And I can't say that about a lot of linebackers, but no, it, it'd be a reach. But yeah, I like Jamie and I like Demarvia. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. Most of that. Sorry, Matt, go on. What do you want to? Well, just in response to your question about whether that's who we're going for in DBs, I don't think so. Um, I think this team is going to value people that can just do lots of different things. You know, if, if you draft a load of man-heavy guys, they're going to know you're a man every time, and sometimes you want to be able to flick the switch. So yeah. you want to get people who are equally adept at both. I don't think they're going to hamstring themselves into man-only guys. I mean... Look at what's happened to people like Akuda. You know, man-heavy guy, not the best in the zone. Now suddenly when you need to give him a bit of space and maybe kind of physically he's struggling, playing him off man, maybe in a little bit of zone, cover cover two corner or even a bit of cover three, I don't think he can do that. And so when he's struggling physically, you can't even play him. So, some, you know, someone who can play that sort of eyes-on-the-quarterback type stuff is going to be useful. I mean, I, I don't see us going heavily zoned, but at the same time, I don't think we're going to be any more than 65-35 in any one game. I just don't think so, unless unless the individual matchup benefits it. So, that I don't think they'll shoehorn themselves into just looking at man-heavy guys. I think they'll look across the board and do their diligence. Yeah, no, I can, can totally get on board with that one there so that is everyone who has um, been interviewed or seen by the Lions so far in terms of the pro days themselves where the Lions have been spotted so they were Indiana that's obviously called linebacker Cam Smith not cornerback um, Miami Ohio they've got the wide receiver prospects there Mac Hippenhammer and the other one whose name I can never remember Purdue Texas Illinois Rice. I'm not familiar with their draft prospects this year. I will have a look, though. Um, Oregon State, South Carolina, Western Michigan, Clemson, uh, Northwestern, as we know, Oregon, Central Michigan, Colorado, Georgia, because everybody was there. And the last one they've been confirmed that so far is Louisiana. Now, that is interesting because we're talking about perimeter-bodied wide receivers. The only reason they're going to Louisiana is to look at Michael Jefferson. He is the six-foot-four, big-bodied, wide-perimeter receiver down there from them. So I think it's nigh uncertain the Lions are going to take a project wide receiver later on, whether it be Jefferson, Yeshivas, Nakua, Four Wheaton... You are going to hear one of those guys' names called, I feel. So that's where the Lions have been spotted so far. Obviously, we'll keep updating that, trying to find players there. I'm not sure who they'd be looking at at Colorado. No one springs to mind instantly. I'm not sure if they're kickers declared this year, so maybe they're looking at a kicker. But, um, yeah, so in terms of that's everything right now for Pro Day. So let's just talk about draft in general to close the show off. So... We have been getting a lot of questions about this on both Twitch and YouTube, so we'll go around all three of us. So, what are they going to do at six? 
right now. We've got two corners. We've drafted a running back, so that maybe takes Bijan off the board. What in your heart of hearts do you think right now they're going to do at six? Um, Ryan? Trade back. I think trade back is the first thing. If, well, if there's a chance Levis or Richardson are there, you take trade back. I don't really care about the return. I just move back. Okay. I think I think that's what I do. Like I said, I'm not bothered oh, it's, it's about that, yeah. other positions, really. I don't really care about Wilson and Murphy and Brian Brzee because at least one of them will be there at ET. So is that what you do as well? Is that what you yeah. think they do and that's me, what you do? It offers me like a, a second and a fourth to move back like seven places. I don't know about the points, but I'd probably take it. Okay, fair enough. Matt, same question to you. What what do you think they're going to do at six, and, and does that differ from what you would do at six, given free agency? I would trade back. I'm with Ryan. I don't think they'll do that, though, not unless the offer is worth it. I think that they'll have to stand pat, and I think in order of preference, they're going to have something like Will Anderson number one, if he's available, you take him. Uh, Will Anderson, uh, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon. I think those that's going to be like their order of people. And whoever is the top available out of those five, I think will be the draft pick. I think, I think the way this team plays, they're going to really like Stroud. Um, that's my that's my feeling on their quarterback rankings. I think they'd have Stroud, Young, Richardson, Levis. But I think that Young's probably going to be gone by then. And Stroud probably will go one. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. See, I think, and I get the feeling in my bones, that Will Anderson's going to fall. There are going to be four quarterbacks in the top five, and some sucker's going to take Tyree Wilson because they think he's good. And he's not going to be. I just feel like with Penny and Aiden these last two years, the stars are aligning for us when it comes to the draft. And I think Will Anderson falls. And I think the Lions are going to bet on that happening. He's the only well, player that would really not consider trade back. Oh, well, that was kind of the next question. People have been asking about Carter, obviously, legal issues still impending so far. And it's come out today that his pro day... It's not been the best. He did his own positional drills, but he didn't do a great deal else. Other than that, he has not done a full slate. He has also put on weight as well and couldn't finish his drills because of that added weight on there. So, I mean, I, I try not to be too hard on the kicks. We don't know what has happened yet, but if Carter's sat there at six right now, do you both take him? Yes. Ryan? No. I wait to see what happens and I trade up from 18. Even if to go, even if I have to go up five places, Jalen Carter. What I think he should do right now is from today. I think he should delete social media. I think he should not talk to anyone, not do anything silly. I think he should just go dark until the draft. I think anything he does further now can just be manipulated to look bad. I say I feel for him. I say obviously he's. I agree with what Matt said. I don't think he should have done any drills. I don't think you should have done anything at all. Doing nothing could have been less worse than half arsing what he did, if that's a way to put it almost, I suppose. Okay. I mean, the, the kid is clearly suffering. Like, 
he might not be putting in the effort, and that might speak to how he deals with adversity, but the guy is facing jail time. Like, he's been an idiot. That much is absolutely abundantly clear. No matter what happens from here on out, he has purpose not purposefully as in he didn't know what was going to happen at the end of it but he's gone out of his way to per his future career and having been in that spot myself relatively recently i can attest to how crap that makes you feel how you don't want to get out of bed in the morning because you fucked up and everything that you've put into your life you feel like it's not there for you anymore and you know what he's a kid like sometimes having the mental fortitude to deal with that doesn't come that easily and you have a look at other people that have had to deal with stuff like Brazil or whatever and you know he's carried himself extremely well given the adversity he's faced but then with Brazil it, it didn't happen to him it happened it happened to him but it didn't happen to him yeah. and you know what when you know it's your fault that's harder to deal with sometimes or like it's it's easier to show back. I, I, I don't want to minimise what Brazil's done because he's an absolute warrior. But yeah. with Carter, it's not about giving him the benefit of the doubt. It is what, Ant, you say all the time. All of this combine stuff, all of this pro day stuff. Okay, but what does the tape tell you? The tape tells you that Carter's the best player in this draft. Take him. Don't think about it too much. He'll sort himself out. Can you think of a better culture to nurture someone than this? As long as you don't think that he's a turd, as long as you don't think that he's doing it on purpose, that he doesn't care, I bet he cares. I don't think someone plays like that unless they deeply care. You you don't pay for someone's meals at your college unless you deeply care about people. And that that is going to be someone that they want. So... I think his character will shine through eventually. But, I mean, I don't... I So, he should have shut himself down. He shouldn't have done anything. But he has now, and that damage has been done. I don't think he should shut himself down anymore, Ryan. I think he needs to amp it up now. Like, you've tanked his stock. You've got to try and recover now. Nothing that he does now is going to make it any worse than it already is. So, publicly get a, a psychiatrist and sort yourself out and actually physically live it out in the public eye own what you've done yeah make it look like you're making amends for it on the 15th of april you schedule yourself a private pro day and say i am not happy with what happened here get yourself in the weight room sort your head out and put some good times on the board do the drills do not get out of breath do not quit and put some good effort in those position drills and say, look, I can do this. I wasn't right. I'm not feeling it. I feel bad about what happened. This is the real me. He can recover from this, but he's got to start making smart decisions. And going into his hole now ain't going to help him anymore. He should have done that before. No, that's, that's very succinctly put, Matt. I, I can't really add much more to that. That's, that's nail on head, really, until we know anything otherwise. To finish off the conversation with six, I've seen a few people ask this, so I want to put it in there. Um, I think Perry Ball was the last one to mention it. Uh, Paris Johnson and Peter Skoronsky, the two offensive tackles, could be in play at six. Is Brad going to go offensive tackle at six? Do we reckon there's even the slightest possibility? I really hope not. Either Matt's holding up a zero or calling me a wanker sideways. I'm not sure, but I, I would like to think it's a zero. I'd be so. pretty mad if we did, to be honest. I think I'd be really upset if we did. You, I, I, you, 
you will get the best episode of Ryan's rants available if that happens. So if you're a bit of a sadomasochist and you want to see Ryan at his rantiest best, pray for a tackle at six. So, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to do it either, but I think there's going to be one in the top 81. There is going to be an offensive lineman in there. That is just, that's just my take on it now. Um, and the other question we got asked is about 18. So, obviously, it's, it's all right to pontificate with what happens at six, but 18, a lot of us want a Bijan. Maybe that's out the window with Monty in the building now. We wanted a corner again. We've taken two corners. Are we going to take one that high? Has your priority changed at 18? I mean, I feel like Brian Branch is the favourite for that position now because he's something we don't have after all these corners. And he might be well sat there, but I don't know. Is your, What do you guys reckon with 18 now? What's, have you changed your mind on what you know you thought before about what, what we might do there? Right. Uh, see, if Branch is there, I, I'd like him. I feel like he's a day one starter. I feel like he's an upgrade over Will Harris or complacent. I feel like he gives us instant value. Positions I won't take, right? So I'm not going to take a receiver. I'm not going to take a linebacker. Offensive line definitely comes in play 18. If one of the best tackles are like, if this. Torrance. Something like that, yeah. I, I will consider an offensive line. Uh, guys like Lucas Van Ness, they can piss off. No, I don't want to touch them. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so like the branch offensive tackle. Uh, if Joey Porter Jr. is there, he's my first pick. He's my priority. I love him. Because okay. I feel like he's got that nasty man and can play in the zone. But yeah, give me Joey Porter Jr. or Brian Branch, and I'm delighted. Fair. Okay. Um, Matt? Given what's happened in free agency, the strategy at 18, has it changed? The strategy has changed from we need a corner in the first two picks to we can do whatever the hell we want. It's it's awesome. Like, we can just go in any direction. Who is the best player on the board right now? I will be upset if it's a tackle and they go that way at 18. But they will consider doing it. Make no mistake, if a tackle is the best player on the board there, if... I don't even think he's a tackle, but if Skaronsky is there, they will consider that. 100%. Um, but it's just, just who is the top player on the board. That is all it is. So if that is Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think they will consider that. If it is, if Tyree Wilson falls down there, I don't think he will. But you know what? If he doesn't go three, I, I don't know where he's going to go. Um, if it's Branch... Excellent. Porter, great. There's so many names that it could be, because not all these players can get picked. There is at least 20 first-round graded people. I don't think it's especially top-end draft, but there's probably at least 20 first-round graded players. So at 18, you get a first-round graded player. Pick one. That's all you have to do. So it could be Witherspoon. We're hearing that, you know, it's rumoured that he's potentially dropping. So if he's there... You don't think twice. I mean, what happens if one of the quarterbacks actually falls and no one believes in Levis? I can see people not believing in Levis. At 18, I could be tempted to take a swing. I don't really want him, but it could be the best player there. Miles Murphy could be the guy. I, I don't really care. Um, tight end could absolutely be in play there if Mare is there. Don't really want us to do that either, but... If that's how the draft falls, it is how the draft falls. I, I don't care who it is. Just draft the best player. 
So what you're saying essentially is now maybe it's not cornerback, now it's open house BPA. Is, is that what well, we're kind of saying here? That, it that, that we're more, that we're more be, we, we, yeah. I, I, it I think, is open house BPA. I mean, so if you have a look at all of the cornerbacks available that people are going to be okay drafting, you guys all talked about cornerbacks that we'd be okay drafting. Let's list them off, shall we? Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Porter, Banks, I'm going to ignore Forbes because I don't want him. Cam Smith, Garrett Williams, Hodges Tomlinson, Ricks a bit later on, Brents, Ringo a bit later on, Rush, Jacorian Bennett, Jalon Jones, Caillou Blue Kelly, Jartavius Martin. So we can get all of these, not all of these guys, we can get a load of these guys in day two. And they'd be really good. We've got our day one starters right now, so there's no pressure to go high on cornerback. So someone, somewhere, somewhere, don't care, just... Draft a corner in the first two days, but it doesn't have to be in round one. Ryan, would you pick the forbidden fruit and go Darnell Washington? I saw you say that earlier. Nope. I think he's a, I think he's a prime bust candidate. Oh, hang on. Who was it? Was that you, Matt? Oh, that was, was that you? Oh, right. I, saw, I thought that was Rye. So I saw someone. You, you would do the tight end at 18, Matt? I'm very tempted by it. Um, we use a sixth lineman. What's the percentage? 18 or 20 percent of the time so he's seeing the field for those snaps because he's an offensive tackle really but he's fast he's got great hands i mean i think it'll be fantastic the only thing that i can think about him is that if brock wright gets a bit better with his blocking brock wright fills that role quite well so i'd rather have a bit more of the receiving threat at tight ends rather than darnell and I hate saying that because I've been on the Darnell, you know, standing mode for a while. But the problem is when you get to 18, you kind of need the, 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 the passing upside. And Darnell is good at that stuff. He's got good hands and he is very quick. But he's not accomplished at it. He's good at it. But they, he wasn't used as much as he could have been. And you know what? Therefore, that makes him a bit more of a risk than one of the other guys. And there's loads of tight ends available in day two, so you don't need to push to get one in day one. Yeah, okay, that's fine. So it's uh, Right, if you've got any other questions you want to get in quickly, because we have been going a while, so we're going to let these guys go. Um, Ken, I love your mock draft. Witherspoon, Branch, Uzomoa, Henley, Garrett Williams, Moro Ajomo, Aidan O'Connell, Scruggs. That's a, that is a fucking great defensive draft, that is. I will, I will give you that 100%. I know Grandizer asked, how far up the draft would you draft Diane Henley? I would give up a second-round pick and a third-round pick and trade up as far as I could get with him and draft him with that. I'd, I'd go to near the end of the first for Diane Henley. I might even sneak into the end of it and give him that fifth year. That's how much I like Diane Henley. So I would go all the way up to the first round for him. As a third, I would trade some picks for him. I 100% would do that. Um, Nick Broker, we've had a question on. How far do you think he goes up in the draft? That's from Perry Ball. Ryan, I think it's, that's the old misguard, isn't it? How, where do you reckon he goes? Like fifth round onwards. I don't think Broker's that high in the guard class. Okay, we've got that one there. Right, if you want to get any more questions in, as I say, get them in. I'll just go through some of the new next shows and stuff. We'll get that out of the way and then we'll do a few more. Then we're gone. So uh, we will be back. 
next Monday. Um, we are talking wide receivers in the 2023 NFL draft, which is going to be good fun. So join us for that there. Myself and Ryan will be back in a week with the College Football Podcast, where we may attempt a little bit of NFL Dynasty League football predictions. I think that is going to be really fun. We might do that next week. So do come join us for that. Um, obviously, six likes, six subs away from 900 on YouTube. If you haven't done so yet, please do so. We are so close to 900. We really want to give one of you a great Detroit Lions gift, and we can do that when we reach 900. So please, if you can, that would be great. Um, I don't think there's anything else. I don't think I've missed anything. Um, okay, Perry's got another one in here. What do you think about our new D-line coach? So that's um, the Penn State ex-D-line coach there. I I, I, I uh, John. John Scott Jr. Is it John Scott Jr.? Yeah. He's the D-line coach from Penn State. I really like it, but I've got a... I like that. I, I like Penn State in general. Create NFL level defense. He's done so many here. But what do we, you know, quickly, Matt? What What do you think? I'm sorry. I don't, I just don't know. Okay, that's fine. Well, Ryan, you you do know it. Well, what do you think of the hire? Great hire. He's worked with some great players. Yeah. And uh, I feel like he might fly the flag for PJ Mustafa on day three. His own defensive tackles in the draft. Mm. I think he's an option as a as a pickup. Someone that he'll know better than anyone. He's worked for him his whole life, basically. And you figure he's got to be whispering in the ear about Joey Porter Jr. as well. So, yeah, that could be another one there. Is there anything else you guys want to mention about anything we've gone through before we get off air? No? All right. Well, I think we will leave it at that then. So thank you to everyone who has joined this evening. We love chatting with you all as always. As I say, we shall be back on Monday unless something drastic happens in free agency and we have to do an emergency cast, which we absolutely will. But you never know. Anything you want us to talk about, let us know. So, um, yeah, you can find us all over the internet. So, on YouTube, you can find us at Roar of the Lions UK, Twitch, ROTL underscore UK, Facebook page, Roar of the Lions UK group, Detroit Lions fans, UK One Pride Worldwide, on Twitter and Instagram, ROTL underscore UK, and the website, www.roarofthelionsuk.com. Com. Again, thank you to everyone who's joined. This is a really exciting time to be a Lions fan. I cannot wait for the draft. It is eking ever closer. And we will see you again a little bit closer come the time in another five days. So thank you ever so much. Have a great evening. And we shall see you again very soon. My thanks to Ryan. My thanks to Matt. And until next time, one pride, y'all. And screw Aaron Rodgers. One pride.